Hello. Hi. And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. Praise him. Oh, it's the time where we do the praising. Praising. Match me next time. Um, today we're going to be talking about Cave of Spleen, <laughs> Cave of Spleen and Theatre Works. This is Living at the Malthouse and 2.22 at Her Majesty's Theatre. Yeah, that sounds that great. That sounds great. I'm cool. S- sorry for asking you to match me next time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you understood that it was inappropriate to say. <laughs> What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> How's it going? Solid open. 10 out of 10. Um, great. It's going really well. Feeling uh, alive. It's being what? What are you specifically? Life. Life. Oh, yeah. God. It's going really well. Okay, let me rephrase. It's... I can hear drag races down the street. Drag races in the car sense? Yeah, the car's not just RuPaul. <laughs> okay. There's no oil to be fracked here. Um, or RuPaul's into fracking. RuPaul is still into fracking? Still into fracking in a huge way, as far as I'm aware. I don't think RuPaul's out there doing the fracking. Okay. I think Which makes it like all the more reprehensible. Like, at least do it yourself. Like, come on! If you're gonna rape the earth, like, really get into it! Get your hands dirty. Get your hands dirty. But no, I think RuPaul's just sending a lot of money to people who do fracking. Because RuPaul profits from fracking? I think, from what I understand, money invested into fracking gives money back. More of it. <laughs> This is why I'm poor. Oh, I thought you were a professor. No, no, you thought wrong. You would think that, though, because of, you know, your nature. My nature. Yeah, how are you, Jake? Fine. Super fine. Super fine. Super, <laughs> yes. I saw in a review recently, I won't say for any show, but someone described a ca- an actor as, um, blah, blah is almost always funny. In the role? In the role. Blah, blah is almost always funny. And that was all they said about the person. I think that's just a horrible thing to say. It's in a review. almost always funny. Yeah. Was it like a comedy? Uh, it, if that's relevant, is almost always funny. This character was is it was a comedic character. Like it made, so it was like almost always funny. It just seems like an unnecessary thing to add. It's almost, it? and also like kind of the essence of a backhanded compliment. Yes. Yeah, it's like sneaking a little like jagged insult inside of something. Seems that very sounds, unnecessary. Yeah, yes. almost always funny. He's pretty most of the time. And I would say the same about you, Jake. About the funniness, you? funniness. Though um, I was going to say me for the prettiness, but you for the funniness. Well, so what should I be taking? You're away? almost always funny, and I'm almost always pretty. Okay. <laughs> uh, what have you done this week? This week, um, I was been like a, a, a smattering of things. Really, like it was sort of like I don't know. Yeah, not heaps and heaps of climaxes. Uh, what happened? I spoke to my sister for a bit. She's a virtual assistant for a man that hires out large like, construction equipment. So if you need a digger in, per- in Perth, you should reach out to my sister. Well, you were saying you were going to steal one of those machines to knock down an apartment complex that's going up near you. There would be a true... Like, a, a something perilous about if she were in the same state as me, which she should be. <laughs> because she's your sister. She is. <laughs> um, yes, and as August Osage County taught us, leaving your family is unforgivable. <laughs> yes, family's all we have. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's all we need. It's all we need, it's all we should want as yes, well. No, yes, no, and yes, yes. I and can't no. find fulfillment outside of family. <laughs> Go on. And that's why the younger sister in that play wanted to have sex with her cousin. Let's move on. <laughs> yes, no. Post haste. But if she had, yeah, that, that that digging equipment closer to me, I'd certainly be attracted to the idea of, yeah. I think you'd be surrounded by a lot more demolished buildings. Thank you. <laughs> and I would be here for it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, um, what else? And then, no, had dinner with a chum. 
And no, beyond that, it was, yes, yeah, so that's the thing. It's one of these, like, very, like, patchworky. Yep. Yeah, it's not really making the memoir, I don't think, this week. But hey, that's why you just say, I was a background character today, and one of my friends was the main character. Who would that friend have been? Not me. Because <laughs> I also had a filler week. Okay, sure. So one of our friends was having a really good week. Yeah, okay, good. Well, good for them. Good for them. Good for them. We all right, deserve right some time in, in the we, sun. If you know who you were. <laughs> uh, yeah, what about your week? My, yeah, same as you. It's been um, not filled with over-the-top crazy good moments, but like not filled with over-the-top bad moments. So, yeah. fine. Just had work. Uh, um, work is going well. Uh, Flynn, my partner, met some of my... Hang on. Uh, what? Oh, partner! I know, it's new to it's everyone. Like cowboy style? Yeah, cowboy style. We right. rode into town and we decided this town is big enough for the two of us. Oh, that's good. So yeah. you just hang out there and threaten raw new dog. cowboys? You raw dog. We raw dog. You raw dog. Raw dog fucking. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's my boyfriend, has been for over two years. Ridiculous. I know. Uh, and uh, he met some of my work friends, which was nice. Okay. And he remarked on there's a difference between because I used to work in hospitality for 10 years and there is a big difference between like hospo friends going out for drinks and then like office space slash I guess hospital friends hospo friends versus hospo friends there you go yes that's the name that's the name of my unbearable cabaret I'm gonna do Um, (laughs) I've worked with a lot of crazy people My hospo friends are like this. <laughs> Whereas my hospo friends are like this. Numbers. <laughs> that would be the whole cabaret. That would be it. <laughs> so I think it's something there. And you could wear one of those like Victor Victoria costumes where on yes. one side you're like in a business in, suit in, and the other one you're in like an apron. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's yes, really and good. you get it wrong spinning. both times. I get it wrong every time I use it. <laughs> Shit, no, fuck, wait. Don't look at me. Um, so he met my friends yeah. uh, and he was just saying how it's funny like to go from like hospo friends which is all like Young people getting together for like to go crazy. This was just like a gathering of, like, sort of youngish to middle aged people who were just there to say goodbye to someone who's going away, and it was just, it just felt like a very nice mature drinks. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. It was nice to enter into my world of adult drinks. Sure, which is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, exciting news for me, and I assume all the nerds who listen. Mm-hmm. I Not was. that all of you are nerds. Oh, some of you are. Okay. Uh, I watched the latest episode of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. How last is there night. another Star Trek? No, this is this is so strange. I'm not going to go into it because you don't care. I care, but I can't stand it. Strange New Worlds <laughs> is just a very it's it's a very is good. Is this the one where they like are out there finding new planets and there's different stuff on the planets? Does not narrow it down. That's unfortunate. And that's pretty much every Star Trek they've made. Additionally unfortunate. Yeah. Um, this one is just like. It's a throwback to, like, the original series. It's very camp. It's colourful. It's silly. It lets itself be a bit more fun. At last, Star Trek people having fun. Thanks, Jake. Um, <laughs> last night, they had... Are they not having fun in the other ones? They're in space. No, they're not having fun. But this, I'd be stressed. They're stressed all the time. There's okay. shit going on. But this is more like... There's still shit going on, but it's more like the original series from, like, the 70s, 60s. So it's all a bit camp and kitschy and, like, everything. It's, I don't know. It's just really cute. I'm liking it a lot. But last night was the musical episode. Oh, Jesus. No, I know. I know how 90s of them. Uh-huh. So it was so good. It was very fun. It was a good throwback to, like, when TV shows had musical episodes. They haven't had a throwback. That happens constantly. Yeah, but not, like, I don't know. Not in Star Trek it doesn't happen. That's true. <laughs> and I guess it's a throwback because it's in Star Trek in the future. So that's quite yeah. a throwback. For them. Oh, sure. In their okay, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a wordy one, but... That, no, because... <laughs> I don't know how, if television still exists for the Star Trek well, characters. Well, they, they, they get sent... To, they get stuck in a uh, improbability bubble by sending. 
a recording of a song from the Great American Songbook. What song? Uh, it was, put on your happy dress, there's lots of world out there, I think. Okay. I can't remember now. Uh-huh. Um, but but they, that gets them stuck in a bubble where they become a musical. Yeah, because they beam it into a subspace signal thinking it's going to like make Which, it there. No, yep. I would have told them not to. That's too and risky. And then they get stuck in the bubble. And, but it's great because every time they start singing, all the characters are fully aware of what's going on. Uh-huh. And the, the, all of them know they shouldn't be singing. Uh-huh. So all the songs are like, like really beautiful sounding songs, but the lyrics are all like, wait, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? This isn't what we should be doing right now. Why are we singing? Uh-huh. Um, and every song is sort of preceded by like the music starting and you just see all the characters like very noticeably go, oh, fuck. So that's kind of fun. That's fun. That that's almost funny. similar. Like I'm forced to immediately compare it to that number in Midnight, the Cinderella musical, where all go of the on. king's servants are singing along with him. And they're like, oh God, we're all now singing. <laughs> yes. It's very like that. Every song is very okay. like. And they start... Because they're following the rules of musical theatre, it poses a security threat because if they actually communicate with anyone else and they get too emotional, they'll be sent into song. And when they sing, they share they, they share everything they can without like any sort of holding back. Mm-hmm. So they can just give away big secrets. So like they make it a threat. God. Ah. Well, musical theatre is very threatening. Musical theatre's alive and well and living in Las Vegas. <laughs> I guess musical theatre is an anagram of... Musical threat, e. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I guess that's true. Jake? Yeah. Uh, so that's... Speaking of the future, I am pals with a very handsome Nepalese chef. Right. Did you know that in Nepal, they're in the future? Ah! <laughs> You're going to need to back that <laughs> Oh, what, up you need more? Yes, please. Well, in Nepal, they tried to beam into this hole that would help them. I forget what the plot of Star Trek was. In Nepal, they started their calendar differently, so they don't base it on Jesus. They base it on the coronation of some king. Oh, and sure. So it's there. It's like year 2075. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's fun. Isn't that fun? That's fun. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're actually in the future, though, Jake. I disagree. That's I, I told Sandy, oh, <laughs> you're from the future. And he was like, yes, Jake. <laughs> what would you like to know? And then I got scared. <laughs> Did you ask me? Of course, no, If of you could not. ask anyone from the future something about... How far in the future are they? Uh, it's a good question. I guess, let's say, like, they're 50 years in the future. Okay. 50 years in the future. Uh, they know... Let's assume they know a lot, but not everything. And they know... <laughs> They claim to know you somehow. Oh, golly. Yeah, okay. so you can ask them anything about the future, about yourself or anything. Sure. What would you ask? I think I try to keep it really, really simple and just be like, it would be dependent on what my like struggles at the time of asking them the questions would be, mm-hmm. I would say, because I think to extend into anything that I would be legitimately curious about would, would be a combination of ruining surprises and also risking those things not occurring if I were to be aware of them. So I think it would be like cold, empty questions that I would ask. Like, okay, what's a thing that I could like bet money on and become rich? I was about to say the exact same thing. I was about to say the exact same Because one of my largest stresses at the moment is just being a poor person, you know? And if Mm -hmm. I could just use this pal to help me make a bunch of money, I would happily share that money with them for for, for gratitude. Absolutely. So, yeah, no. So if Sandy has answers, I'm happy to take those answers and turn them into cold, hard cash. Why is this person Sandy? Oh, Sandy is the... the Yes, much like the, yes, you know, the the second lead in Greece. Yes. Sandy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Sandy. Stop, they're going to copyright us. (laughs) It's too good. It's too good. Um, Yeah, I would ask the exact same thing. Money. I want money. I need you to tell me how to make money. Tell me who wins the Oscars. I need it now. Tell me who, like, lottery numbers. Tell me anything you can that I can bet on and make money. Yep. Mm -hmm. Great. I'm glad. Uh, Write in, people. Would you ask... 
But I'm trying to get some uh, audience. Some, some engagement. Yes, yeah, engagement. And also, if you're in Nepal, tell us trade secrets. <laughs> of what? I don't know. Things will make us money from oh, the future. Oh, because they're from the future. Yes. Yes. All of Nepal is from the future. Yes. All of Nepal. <laughs> the rain in space. Yes. <laughs> Eliza, you stupid bitch. <laughs> We're talking about Nepal. Um... Anything else happened to you this week? Mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's stuff, yeah, but no. nothing that really makes a solid anecdote so guess, without a bunch of backstory. What would you rate it? Um, uh, I'll give it eight stars, because I think that's how long two pigeons broke into my apartment and they were in here for at least eight hours. I will give it eight stars. The very room we're currently in. Yes, they are a very confident species of bird. Um, and yeah, they made themselves pretty at home. Then they came back the next day after they eventually left, and they were like waiting for me to let them in. It's like, bitch, I'm not Snow White. Jake, you could have had pigeon pets. No. They were in here for so long that I got to the point where I was like, okay, do I have to befriend them? Is yeah, now, you should have. Am I becoming that, like, Mary Poppins pigeon woman? I could be. Poppins! That is naturally where you're heading. To Toppins of Toppins! Toppins! Toppins of Good charge deal. for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, we, like, we have a two man show we do all the time. <laughs> and we just sing that one song. <laughs> Uh, what about your week? Uh, what about what would I give it? Um, a <laughs> don't blow this one. Sixty, because that's how many minutes I think were in the musical episode of Star Trek that I really enjoyed. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> yep, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was so good. The choreography was fun. Mm-hmm. The music was actually qu- quite decent. It did just suffer from like just some of the lyrics were a bit bad. But also the lyrics are bad because these are people who don't sing in real life. So they're, like, not compelled to... You know what? It doesn't matter, Jake. Can we talk about (laughs) theatre? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, James. Hello, Jake. Hi, hi. Hi. I went to the theatre. Hi. Did you? I did, yes. Which one did you go to? The Explosives Factory. Quick! Quick! Yes, kabam! Kabam! Boom! Very good explosion noises, Thank James. You very much. I was practicing <laughs> on the tram ride here. I went to the explosives factory. Did you? Yes, I did. Good I went you. there to see Cave of Spleen. Ooh. Yeah, by Laura Collins. <laughs> Why did you make a gross sound? Just, just, I'm sure it's a good work, but it just sounds like a gross thing. <laughs> because you don't like spleen? Yeah, just spleen. Just spleen is never a word I'm expecting to come at me. Oh, right. Okay. But so good, I'm, I'm excited to hear about Cave of Spleen. But so, so I just, you know, I have a corporeal intrigues. Why? Why does spleen make you feel bad? I don't think spleen is like gallbladder. It's like uh, appendix. It's these body parts that I'm sort of like, I know, I know they're there. I just, yeah. I'm not quite sure what they are or where they are. So in my head, they're all reduced to like little squishy pink or green slimy balls. Oh. So spleen is something that makes me go, Ugh. Okay, yeah. sure. And I'm horrified to hear there was a cave of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the play is by Laura Collins and directed by Stephanie Gajar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I went, went inside, walked up to the like the, the, the still like somehow existentially terrifying white staircase at that yes. theater venue. And now I know what you mean. Right? Yes. yes. Then went inside, box office thing, and then went and I accidentally walked across the floor of the playing space, which is fine because then someone did it right after me as well and no one booed them either. So it's fine. Great. It was confusing because it was dark and I didn't know what I was doing. Because quack, it was, like, quack. <laughs> quack, quack. Because it was like sort of in the round, but also like the playing space itself was kind of like teardrop shaped oh that's kind of fun so I was like you imagine that like big black brick wall in the explosives factory Mm -hmm. okay so they use that sort of as a blackboard throughout the piece and so that's accessible to the actors that's like one bottom of the playing space that's like the round part of the raindrop teardrop thing yep and then you imagine like it extends up and then we kind of like encircle it in two rows of raked chairs around the teardrop and it gets pointy at the other end sure so the people sitting at the other end are like 
facing each other? Sort of, they almost get to that point. Okay, okay. Almost. Yep. Yes. No, I, I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay, great. Um, yeah, just want to say like the, the piece itself was designed by Fiona McDonald, mm -hmm. and in the middle of the playing space as well, there's kind of like, it is a cave, so imagine like... <laughs> so imagine like... Okay. <laughs> like a toasted, like, cheese and Vegemite sandwich. I'm with you so far. Okay, so it's toasted. Yep. Um, cheese and Vegemite? Yes. Is there butter? Yes, okay. definitely butter. How burnt is it? Uh, that's the thing. So imagine, too, that the, the, the slice of bread on the bottom is slightly larger than the top one. Okay. Okay. Yep, yep. You've got from different loaves, you're running out of bread. You've got, like, the last piece of two different loaves of bread to make the sandwich. One yes. of them is bigger. Naturally, it sits on the bottom. Yes. Okay. More cheese than Vegemite. Is, okay, good yes. cheese is under the Vegemite? Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, cool, cool, cool. cool yep. Right. Okay, you toast it. Yep. Yep, okay. Yep. Now you blow it up so it's, like... Two meters by three Jake. meters. Two by three meters. Jake. What? You can't blow anything up in the explosives factory. <laughs> it is dangerous. Risky. <laughs> Take that sandwich and make it two meters by three meters. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And now age it two hundred years. So make it into rock. <laughs> it still has all those qualities, but make it rock. <laughs> okay. Have you done it? Uh, is it square? It's two by three meters, you dingbat. Well, okay, is it rectangular? Yes. Great. Yes, yes by virtue of the dimensions I gave you. Shut yes. your whore mouth. What was the point I, in me describing the sandwich? If well, you, if I you don't know. What I, a I, figure, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure I'm on the same page. I'm actively listening. I'm that's actively I'm, listening. That's why I'm pacing it out so I'm slowly. I'm actively listening. Yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, so it's a big sandwich. It's old. It's calcified. It's turned to stone. Uh-huh. Yes. You'd have to carbon date it. It's an ossified snack. Oh, yes. that's a good word. Ooh, ooh. Yeah? Are you there with me still? Like, I am, but I don't know why. I, I, how about you trust me? Uh, <laughs> have you got it? You. Oh. Yeah, okay, tell me about the sandwich. So this sandwich-shaped rock is the centerpiece of the set. Okay. Okay? So they oftentimes engage with this rock in the center. It, like, acts sometimes... Like a platform for them to stand upon. <laughs> now and then. Ooh. It's also a way for them to... Yeah, yeah. It's largely that. And right. then it also has some little surprises in terms of, like, there's little divots in it from which they can, like, get, like, sort of like a, like oh. a, a, a bit of makeup or Hidden something. stuff. There's, like, holes where they can extract these scrolls from. Oh, you know? scroll it's holes. Like, it's, it's a big sandwich with secrets. Okay. I, yeah. I'm on board now. I, I understand. I'm glad you came around. It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. <laughs> How tall is the, the whole structure, would you say? If you imagine that sandwich, it answers all the questions. If you blow up that sandwich to the size I suggested, it's the exact ratio of that. Do you that. hear what I have to deal <laughs> well, with? People? This is me trying to be very clear, because it's a difficult thing for me to explain. Okay, alright. That's why, that's why I came armed with this image. I don't eat as many sandwiches as you do. <laughs> Don't food shame me. I'm not also, food I don't shaming. have sandwich money. That's why I'm talking to Nepalese people. So, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> because they're from the future. <laughs> I think maybe it's good you clarified that. It does sound like a calling Nepalese We're people. All here I know, but I forgot about it. I forgot about it, and I'm glad you clarified. If I what? So if someone skipped to this bit, and you suddenly just said, <laughs> "I'm poor," that's why I talk to Nepalese people about yeah, the future. Yeah, no, but they didn't hear that first bit. So. Oh, it sounds like because of pop. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, there we are. He's no one should have that. Theory. No, and that's not what you were that saying. That wildly but racist. I'm, I'm no. glad we sort of. <laughs> I would never say a sentence like no, that. That's why I was surprised, Jake. <laughs> Thank 
Thank you. That's okay. Anyway, Carry on. So, the Cave of Spleen. Were you curious about why such an evocative title even exists in the I mean, I'm place? definitely curious. Now I know that there's like that rock thing, which I assume is like the set for the cave. So where does the spleen come into it? Oh, I'll let you know. I'm sure you will. Oh. <laughs> Next week. No, I'll tell you now. Oh. <laughs> okay. So this is from the program. So this is from Laura Collins, who wrote the piece. So it's not a spoiler. No. No. <laughs> no, this isn't like in the last five minutes. Get off our case, guys. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read from the program where she describes what this is. So, um, where are we? Um, she discovered the Cave of Spleen, a fictional hellscape referenced in Alexander Pope's 1712 epic narrative poem, The Rape of the Lock. She was intrigued by his idea of a dystopian underworld filled with women afflicted with chronic conditions. Her goal was to transpose (laughs) his nightmare-inducing exploration of female pain into a contemporary setting, underscored by the horror of the climate crisis. This allowed me to explore the similarities between the chronic pain experienced by women and the environmental destruction experienced by the Earth. Slay. Oh, yeah? That, uh, That sounds so fucking cool. That is a combination of a whole bunch of things that I love. First of all, how would you transpoise anything? Transpoise? Um, I don't know. Is, is it a verb? You said it. Yeah, well, I guess if it's a verb, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just how a valley girl says transpose, which makes it more important, I think. Sure. <laughs> we need to add it to the vernacular. <laughs> um, oh, God, I love that accent so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Busy Phillips is underrated and under-celebrated. I mean, this, it's not just Paris Hilton. But I was going to say, yes. I'm obsessed with... I mean, I'm obsessed with old 17th century texts being used for stuff because they're so full of just alien and foreign concepts of hell and heaven and, and, there's, and what life should be and to then take that, and especially one that has, like, a bunch of women in pain... Sure. ...in it. Yeah. Now, I'm, that's just very exciting. So I'm very keen to hear about more about the Cave of Spleen. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, no. Um, so we've got four performers. We've got Amelia Jane, Heather Riley, Nisha Joseph, and Pia Omedra. And yeah, they're in this cave. And they're just sort of like, we get in there, we're sitting there in this little teardrop. There's like, because... Where are you in the teardrop? I am in kind of like, if you... Mm, we're going aerial view. Okay. Okay. Yep. okay. All right. So we're up there. So the pointer bit's at the top. Imagine the raindrop is falling down. Yep, and the, the curved bit is the back of the wall, isn't it? I guess this is the wrong way to say it. I think you've all imagined the teardrop-shaped seating arrangement. The base of the raindrop is to my left, which is where the blackboard brick wall oh, is. Oh, well done. Yep. Okay, so I'm kind of like midway in the raindrop. Great. I'm in the front row of the two rows of raked seating. Great. Great. That's well I've described. I've walked across rather inappropriately. <laughs> the like the floor itself is kind of like it seems like there are like chalk writings on the floor, and on top of that, there's this like dirt that is like lightly like lightly dusted like a light dusting of dirt that mm. also seems to have a little bit of glitter involved in it as well, Ooh. which is really lovely. And of course, you wore your big swishy cloak that day. Of course, so I made quite the kerfuffle. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so, yeah. But again, I was, the moment I sat down, I turned around and I thought, Jake, you just walked across the set. But, <laughs> again, no one threw anything at me, so I think I was forgiven. Yeah, I think that, that space seems more, like, open in general. This like space I, that you only know through me describing it? I mean the explosives factory space. Oh, sh- oh sure, but I think that is debatably irrelevant when we're sitting in a teardrop and I've clomped across their dirty glitter floor. I think anything in the round that doesn't have, like, bollards up or anything to stop <laughs> you from going onto the stage, you can walk on the stage. I'm glad you think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yet to forgive myself. That's good. Thank you for opening me up to it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so the idea, so the play begins and then we're kind of like immediately thrust into this space where it's these four people, it's what seems like is happening. They are planning some type of, some sort of combination of maybe like a protest plus like some type of like, like low grade rebellion or like some type of performance art 
thing to get a bunch of attention for some sort of cause. Mm. But what they're all trying to like settle upon is the means through which they will do it and what their specific cause is. And things like how tied to feminism should their idea be? Um, what sort of governing body should they be attacking? What type of action will get them the right type of attention and the most type of that type of attention? Oh, yeah. So it's a lot of this kind of like cyclical talking throughout the piece. There's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of like... Yeah, it's very much, yeah, before, because I, I went in having read nothing about the, about the play and then since then I've done some reading of the stuff that's out there to read about this piece. And yeah, and Laura, the playwright, talks a lot about, in some of the stuff that I've read that she said, about getting caught up in these sort of like cyclical explorations of the rage that she feels about environmentalism and mm. things connected to the themes present in this work. Um, and yes, and this was what felt like an engaging, exciting sort of exploration of that type of like quite damaging, damaging in the way of like, and it comes back to this like cave of spleen idea of these people suffering in this cave from what Laura also talks about in the way that rage occupies the body and if it can't get out, that can have negative consequences. Mm. So yeah, so just that, um, is, is just an element of things. And I'd say beyond that, like part of what, beyond the text being very, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I just, yeah, for the first sort of like 10 to 15 minutes of it, it was really exciting in the way that like you were being hit with so many, like, I did of course deal with the thing of like, remember when we were talking about, we talked about this a couple of times, mm. but when we were talking about the beginning of Caligula, yep. and it was that like boardroom scene where everyone was like, what about this? Political problems. How about oh, that? Yeah. Also context. This is a person. Who is this? We're all dressed the same, so it's hard to follow. <laughs> I'd like to see a show where you just do that. <laughs> just me? Just you. Playing I all those characters. Um, but yes, I know what you mean. That it's thing where it's like, because attack. I'm Jake, I can't... It, it takes a while <laughs> for me to, like, settle in. My, like, my brain really has to considerably, like, change shape in order to be able to, like, process everything that's happening. Yeah, the Jake so effect. The, it's one of the Jake effects. None of these effects are very complimentary. No, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it took me a second to, like, gear into that, but there was enough... I think what was helped... Like, what helped was... Um, these four sort of like characters or characterizations, however you want to sort of describe what these characters are, there, there, there was enough distinctiveness between the four of them that it helped remedy that thing. Like it wasn't just four people who were assigned random sentences and all had similar energies and intentions. They were like so distinct in it. Like they were so uniquely distinct between mm. the four of them that that aided in my like small minded capacity to to take all of their words and put them in my head no, one after sense. the other because they, yeah, were different enough mouths, you know? For you it can to sort feel... them in your mind palaces. <clears throat> sure. Un underneath different characters. If that, that helps works. you grasp this experience, yes. Oh, it super duper does. If I see, I, I often feel like, especially with works that are more experimental and like more scrawling text, it's hard sometimes to feel like it isn't just a bunch of text that got chopped up depending on how many actors were in the cast. Completely, yes. Yeah, so for that to be the case is quite exciting to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was nice. And it was cool too. It was like, And what's, it felt to me at least a part of the experience of having like a, a thing that you're really passionate about or a thing that you're like desperately concerned about. And it was really interesting to see the way that like they started what they started kind of like as a very unified group of people like planning on hatching this plan together. And then it was amazing sort of throughout the piece to see it kind of like they sort of, to simplify it a little bit, the four of them almost kind of splintered off in the way that one's inner experience of that type of inner turmoil can sometimes occur in the way of like from going from this unified, this unified collection of people and then as, as they get a bit worn down, one splinters off and becomes sort of like the embodiment of a lot of what the rage is. One very quickly buckles under the agony of their experience and spends much like of the play... Well, I'll even just say, so it's like, Heather Riley, they are sort of like tasked with being the character that represents a lot of what the rage is present in the piece. Yeah. And especially towards like, even like from the midpoint onwards, very much, I don't know, is tasked with like, very effectively like reaching this peak of just like, 
this part where where they are just like repeating the phrase of I am full of rage just over and over and over again. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and it's tasked with trying to like embody and express exactly what that what that type of very like recognizable rage can feel like. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just want to also say, yeah, this was such a strong ensemble, and as as I sort of got at before, they were just they were also uniquely fun to watch, and and it was the thing too was like because we were like so close to them too, it meant that we were able to. Uh, like notice a lot of what with them being like the the talented performers that they are it gave us a lot to look at in terms of it wasn't and again it maybe comes back to plays with this type of form in them it wasn't a thing of just four people who have remembered all of their lines in sequence yeah it's people who are moment to moment going through their own individual thing while contributing to this like cauldron of dialogue oh that's great yeah um yeah, yeah. So, and I also just want like want to quickly pinpoint as well. Like Pia Omejira is someone that I just found myself too, like, um, sort of like the, the Connor Putland thing. That like I don't know these people recently that are just like the people that you watch while other people are doing stuff. Yes. Um. Yeah. Pia's performance, especially with especially like from I'd say like because she is the one that about like a, like one quarter of the way through the piece is the first to kind of like succumb to this sort of like crushing depletion that can come with fatigued enragement. Mm-hmm. And so she spends a lot of time on this beautiful rocky toasted sandwich in the center of the stage. Delicious. Kind of like, yeah, wilting under the suffering and and yeah, g- getting to see the, just like the look in her eyes and the pain in her body. And mm-hmm. then as, as more people sort of come to join her on this rock, like there were especially like she and Amelia Jane had some really beautiful moments of kind of like, almost like, I don't know, miserable consolation of each other on this rock as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and seeing that type of stuff happen, and then the piece itself towards the end too sort of melts into some some like physical explorations of the ideas and and things to do with the the bodily experience of repressed rage. Um, yeah, in those ways, yeah, it was a really engaging piece of theatre to go to. God, it sounds sounds really good. Um, sounds good. <laughs> My words just fell apart. Just pick a sentence, but no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like one of those shows that I would see and love for it being similar to like a magic ritual. Oh, sure, like yeah. it feels like something ritualistic and primal, and I just love those sorts of shows. It reminds me a lot of those... I saw two shows. One of them was um, uh, Death and like Death to, Mc, Death to McPutin. I can't remember what it was called now. Okay. Uh, and um, Pop to Trash Dance Butterflies. Oh, yeah. Like, do, both of those shows, have, to me, sound very similar in, in vibes of, like... It's a bunch of people coming together to figure out how to solve the problems they're facing with, with no real way of actually doing that and just getting angry about it. Sure. In ways that sort of feel like a coven of witches. Right. Um, and I love those sorts of shows. So. Sure. There's something. Yeah, it's like, and maybe this is like, and, and again, maybe this is, <laughs> I don't know, simplifying stuff again, but it's like, as we've talked about a bunch, like this idea of being like a post curveball, post hope, global yes. warming crisis yeah. that we're all giving into, maybe like the next wave of what is to come is this wave of like hyper furious, like potentially largely feminist. Mm. rage to then like I don't know be the next swing that we're going on Let it happen. you know Let we it did be. hope then we lost hope mm. and now we're going like angry cave women maybe being if not an answer maybe it's the next large scale response to it it's, yeah it, it definitely feels like there's more of them out there I'm mm. into it I love it sure. I love a group of angry women <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I just want to also just point out, there were like a, a bunch of really like wonderful evocative sentences mm. and, um, one of them being that one, <laughs> this assertion that, <laughs> that Nisha Joseph makes who, yeah, again, yeah, just a really like engaging, wonderful, like uniquely bodily performer, um, says this sentence of that one day you'll have to put down your weapon 
Oh, yeah, okay. Which is like a sentence that, I don't know, I find interesting for like a number of prickly reasons. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't even put there in front of us as a way of like, it wasn't connected to a, like a like a huge larger thesis or anything. Just the idea that one day, the thing that you use, whenever it is that you need to do a, like a thing or the thing that you want to spend your life doing, mm. let's say, um, that one day you will have to stop doing that thing and potentially let other people do the, the, the job that you've assigned yourself. God, that's scary. It's like a sad one. And like, yeah. a, but also kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's also like something to do with mortality, I guess. Yeah, or even like, like you can't do the thing you're doing forever. Yeah, God. Which is something yeah. that I thought about. So I just brought it up because I was thinking It does about seem it. like something you would get tattooed on you. Sure. I'm not super into sentences being tattooed to me. You have multiple words tattooed. I have words, but no, I'm not into sentences. But that's just okay. a taste thing. <laughs> um, and then just like one more sentence that I wanted to bring up was... Well, not a sentence, but like an idea that gets put forth in nicer words than the ones I'm about to use to explain what it is the Lord wrote into this piece. But this idea that there are too many people on the world for it to be a utopia. Oh, God, yeah. There I'll are too many shit so, people. Yes. So deeply. Which yep. does, of course, and let's not get hung up on it, we should be living in a field! <laughs> Jake, yes, I can't be the solution to everything, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> and yet it does seem to be the solution to most things. We need a... If we were just in communities in fields. Nah, we need we need the purge. We need to start purging. Uh, we need, to, we need um, some culling. We need to purge. You are very ready for a purge. I'm always ready for a purge. That's I, alarming. <laughs> no, no, I think it's the only way forward. It's <laughs> a purge. You can quote me on that. Uh-huh. Let's get purging. Let's get purging. Let's get purging. All right, on that note... <laughs> climb out of this cave uh-huh. of spleen. <laughs> Any hoozlebees, great. Do you want to talk about <laughs> something else? Uh, no, unless you want to keep talking about the purge. I'm okay. All right, let's move on. Hello, Jake. Hi, James. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, too, went to the theatre. Okay, not to be one-upped. Good. Well, prepare to be... I prepared to be one up, I didn't have anything ready. Um, <laughs> I went to the Malthouse Theatre. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah, what for? Uh, to see This Is Living! Oh, great. Which is what Paris Hilton's saying is short for. You know when she started saying sliving? Oh, is that what it was short for? I think. I thought it was slaying and sliving. Slaying um, and living. Sliving. Oh. So, like, living like Santa Claus. Because he drives a sleigh. Yeah, no, I got it. Santa Claus? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm with you. You went to the Maltese Theatre. Went to the Maltese <laughs> Theatre. To see? A show there called This Is Living! Right, the Paris Hilton story. The Paris Hilton story. I God, I wish it was a Paris Hilton story. Not because this show was bad, but because I would love to see a Paris Hilton story. Which um, would, oh, like a dramatisation of her life on stage. Yeah, and oddly enough, Ash Flanders wrote this show. I think Ash Flanders would do a really good Paris Hilton story. Putting that out there into the world, manifesting that. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, Ash Flanders wrote it, directed by Matthew Lutton. Um, and I went along to see it with my friend James. My name is also James. Does that get confusing? It was very funny. We all <laughs> laughed. Everyone laughed. So uh-huh. was, oh my god, there's two of you? We're like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, all the time. So, <laughs> went along, sat on down. Yeah. Uh, it's in the Merlin, which is the bigger one, right? <laughs> Did I get the name right? You never remember? I never remember. The Merlin's the big one, right? Yes. Yeah, I remembered. So we wandered on in. Ah! Uh, move, I'm Wanda. Move, I'm Wanda. <laughs> yes. uh, sat on down. Uh, it, it, it's in the... It's a th- sort of a thrust stage mm. with seating banks on two corners, though. What do you call that? I'm showing you, Jake. It's like a diamond thrust? Yes. That, yeah, I think I've already asked you this and you told me that. Yeah. So, diamond thrust. <laughs> yes. I don't retain information. No, no. Um, <laughs> diamond thrust, we're sitting smack bang in the middle, like at the corner. So, we've got pretty good views. A diamond thrust sounds so painful. A diamond thrust sounds so sexy. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, gave, oh, gave him a diamond thrust idea. Oh, Why don't you come up here and diamond thrust me sometime? Row! <laughs> Is this a one woman show? Row! Oh, I'm turning it? into a cat! Row! <laughs> That's my other unbearable uh, cabaret, where it's cat, yeah. and, I, and I just slowly turn into a cat throughout the course of the show. Oh, and what does the poster have on it? Are you a cat on the poster? It's me in like a normal outfit, but I'm coughing up a fair, a herbal. A herbal. A herbal. Yeah. A herbal. A herbal. Oh, and you purport to be playing a different character named Cat, and then you, it's sort of like the poster hints at the fact that maybe you become a cat too? Yeah, I guess I would just be like, a, it, would be, it would be my original cabaret idea, which was what? Like, Hospo and Hospo. But throughout the course of the show, I turn into a cat. Could you possibly get Cat Stewart to star in it? And it looks like it's a one-woman show, or like a night with Cat Stewart. Oh. But then she slowly turns into a cat throughout. That's that's actually that's a much better idea. Is that something? That's It'd be, better than mine. That's great. It's a bit postmodern. I don't know if Cat would be into it. We'll have to. We'll, I'll get her on the line. You could you? Yeah. Okay. Here I go, <laughs> calling her now. I guess we're role playing this whole thing. I guess I'd like to get her on the feline. Continue talking about the Paris Hilton story. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I'm going to write that down. Pretend that I felt like a thing that you would say. It so does. It does. I'm, yes. going to, I'm going to pretend that I come up with that at some point. So <laughs> when you've forgotten that, I'll whip it back out. Um, thanks for that. Uh-huh. So sat down. Yes. The set is in front of us. Uh-huh. No preset, but a beautiful set. It's like this gorgeous modern house. Gorgeous sounds like it means that something is like a gorge. You need to stop commenting on what things <laughs> sound like. I think. <laughs> It sounds like you're a bit stupid. <laughs> when you agree to have a conversation with a stupid person, you don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That big hole in the ground looks pretty gorgeous. <laughs> uh, all right, Jake. Uh, no, you're right. You know what? I'm going to yes and you here. I'm going to yes and you here. What is another word that could be used to describe something in a weird way that you wouldn't imagine? Like, what about fabulous? Could fabulous be something? It, it has the qualities of a fabule. <laughs> and what's a fabule? Part of a church. Is that real? No. <laughs> Mufasa died in a gorge. And that's fabulous. <laughs> Not because of any pun reason, I just think it's good that he died. <laughs> he was... It's his hubris. He was a corrupt leader. <laughs> and I'm Zazu. Okay. I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> so I say that I do. Um, That's what Scar should have whispered before he let Mufasa fall to his death. What, fabulous? No, he I should, just can't wait to be king. He should have whispered, I just can't wait to be king. No! <laughs> then a dark reprise of <laughs> quack quack of Simba's. Oh, I just <laughs> can't wait to be king. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. need a version of Lion King told from Scar's point of view. That would be so good. Like in the background, you can just hear muffled versions of all the other songs people are singing, and he's just oh. like in his little cave going, One day. Yes, he slams a door. He's like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> you know, in Hercules, there's like, Scar is in Hercules. Like, there's a moment where they throw a lion's pelt onto the floor, and it's it's Scar's. That's devastating. Yeah, it's Scar's. He's got like his face and everything. Oh, there poor you go. guy. So that means, canonically, Lion King takes place before ancient Greece. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, is it? This is Living is a play that This you is Living is a play that I saw by Ash Flanders, and I really like Ash Flanders and the work that he does. Full Great. disclosure, so I was very excited to see this show. Cool. Another full disclosure, um, in the cast is Will King, mm-hmm. who um, we know, yeah. and is a lovely person. Mm-hmm. So take that, factor that into your, into your, into your brain. Um, <laughs> so the set is this gorgeous, huge... Uh, modern house. Do you like the way I said huge? You just can't keep saying gorgeous without me thinking about gorgeous. What the fuck? Go on. Alright. This 
huge. Yes. Fabulous settle. <gasps> yeah. Um, we've got like these very, very tall glass double doors that slide. Yeah. Um, like, I, I try, how do I describe this to you? In the middle of the, the actual stage is the house living room and kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's got like... Is it all naturalistic? Or it's, is it... it's mostly naturalistic. And then like the, there's sort of like a bit of reality bending with the way it all works. Okay, so cool. like the living room itself is pretty naturalistic. It's got like a uh, working fridge or a fridge with a light. So I don't know if it's actually... You know, they, they open it and the light goes on. That's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oven, um, like little seats. Like, it's like a properly furnished living room. But mm-hmm. then it's got behind it is these large glass double doors and you can see through the glass double doors it's this sort of mm-hmm. um, like large canvas that is depicting a beautiful lakeside view mm-hmm. and then like you can sort like you can see like this in this sort of stage within a stage is the bedroom that's sort of behind everything that they can access through a corridor it's very hard to describe this space okay it's got a lot of corridors going off there's another corridor on the left if you're looking at the stage that goes off to what we learn eventually is the driveway and like some other rooms so it's like a really well thought out room, house and it's beautiful so yeah. immediately obsessed ah, ah. so in walk Hugh and Will mm-hmm. those are the characters names Will is hilariously played by Will King huge I know uh, and Hugh is played by Marcus McKenzie okay so they are a, in, a, in a relationship they wander in and they've been we, they, the show starts with a, one of those wonderful moments of hearing the actors slowly fade in as they walk towards the stage. Okay. Which is something that I think you've done in a show. Um, the last time did it. Last time did it when I saw it. Last time they, I, I, just the characters slowly starting to talk and you can hear them approaching the stage. So I think it's just a nice way to start a show. It's nice partly because, and I'm sure everyone knows this reference, okay. the final episode of the original series of Gilmore Girls ends with them talking in the restaurant and the camera like leaves through the window and we slowly hear their voices fade out as if we're leaving the lives of the Gilmore Girls. Sure, very, exactly. Jake, it's Gilmore Girls. It's the opposite of that. It's opposite fading Gilmore. in. It's fading called, in. It's, it's opposite called Gilmore an opposite Girls. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> or an OTG, if you will. <laughs> an OPG is a sort of scan you give someone to look at their teeth. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Um, orthopantomogram, I think it's called. There Fantastic. you go. Fantastic. Anywho! Uh, so. <laughs> and OGG is also what Gossip Girl would call the, like, the blog posts that she doesn't post publicly. Because they're only for Gossip Girl to read. <laughs> Wasn't Gossip Girl a man? <laughs> it's Spoiler alert for Gossip Girl. It was Dan. Dan was Gossip <laughs> that Girl. That means nothing to me. But Dan, Pen Badgley. Good for Dan. Pen Badgley from um, you. Okay. Voiced by Kristen Bell. Confused Voiced yet? by... What voice the Gossip Girl the voiceover oh the voice of Gossip Girl I thought was it a cartoon okay <laughs> the animated Gossip Girl that's A-G-G alrighty so <laughs> so they they O-G-G into the stage <laughs> on they come uh, and yeah so Hugh and Will are gay lovers controversial um, Hugh is going through cancer um, sorry to drop that bomb on you that's okay but he does people have it yeah um, and he he has He's going through cancer and Will is very much supporting him on this journey. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of gleam from the conversation they have as they come on that they have organized this getaway. It's an Airbnb um, out in like the beautiful Victorian countryside near a lake. And they seem to be planning for some friends to come by. So that's all we know. Uh-huh. Um, straight away, uh, Marcus McKenzie um, is, you can sort of pick it straight away. The way he walks and holds himself is just very clearly unwell and very clearly in pain and the interactions between these two men throughout the show are pretty nasty, like pretty harrowing. Um, a lot of this show nasty, like they're mean to each other. 
Well, yes. It, uh, well, mostly Hugh is mean to Will. Okay. Um, a lot of the show deals with caregiving, okay. um, and sort of the, the toll that that takes on the person obviously giving the care, but also the people around both of the people involved in the situation. So a lot of their interactions are like Hugh being on edge, upset, moody, like and out of his hormones are out of balance from the medication and he's um, oftentimes just straight up a bitch to Will. Mm-hmm. And then watching Will have to sort of just take a step back and take some deep breaths and put up with it as the show goes on is really horrible to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and it just a sidebar, Ash Flanders um, wrote this show from a very personal experience in his life. So like, uh, there's just something... Really crushing about watching two people that clearly were in love at some point have then have this dynamic that has gone on where this sickness is, without them wanting it to, consumed their entire lives. Mm. Um, straight out the gate. Not fun, Jake. Doesn't sound fun. Fun with that experience? Or that the experience. Ah, yeah, the, the, sure. I mean, the, and also those parts of the play were hard to watch. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, a bit of that interaction, and then on come... The women. The women? Jake, I love women. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love women. Uh-huh. I love them so much. <laughs> I can't. I, I do. I do. <laughs> no, no, no. I saw um, uh, Rough Trade. Yeah. Um, bloody. Uh, what was it? So I've seen a bunch of shows recently that just had terrific women uh-huh. in them. And, and you're starting to think there could be a pattern. I'm starting to think <laughs> the women could be not all bad. But no, just like. Every yeah. time I see. I just, I have to love, I have to say I love women. I just love them so Is much. Is a recent revelation? You Not had? at all. No, I've always been re-reminded of Especially it. like older, middle-aged women, I think. I mean, sure. specifically. I just, I just. So we have Belinda McClory, Michelle Pereira, and Maria Theodorakis mm-hmm. as Alex, Charlene, and Joe in order. There will Ooh. be a quiz later on. Hmm. And I just, I just loved them so much. So Michelle Pereira, I actually saw in Lemon Tree on Drake Street a while mm. back. Yep. And was obsessed with her then, still is obsessed with her now. Yes. So I think I last saw her in that one, it was like a two-hander at the fucking stables, and it was about that, like, the the, the, the writer, like, the J.K. Rowling character, and she had written that... Pill- yes! She wrote that book. Yes. And then it came out that she was, like, she murdered a bunch of people. Yes. Yes. She she is a prolific act. She's in, she's in so much. Yeah. She's always working. Yeah, Good she's around. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, needless to say, obsessed with her. Uh, Belinda McClory, quick sidebar. Mm. She was in The Matrix. The, the movie or the, the film? Oh. The film. Ma- we're all in The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> she played Switch, who was... The have, Switch. Have you seen Matrix, Jake? <laughs> I think like it's half a classic it. enough movie that maybe you would have seen. Okay, so I tend to it. get up to the part where they're walking through that house, and then the one with the unfriendly haircut, the lady one. She's like, "Ah, that cat is a glitch." And oh I'm like, yes, I'm out. <laughs> blonde, blonde or black hair? Isn't she the one? Doing Trinity. I think the one that wants to kiss Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay, Trinity. The one with like, no. the wet, slicked back hair and the long coat. God, that movie is just. Fa- it's a fashion masterpiece. <laughs> that movie is full of good fashion. And Switch is actually in that scene. She's like the. Switches near the glitch. Switches near the glitch. <laughs> Switches get glitches. <laughs> ah, thank you so much. I was proud of that. But uh, Switch was, first of all, another sidebar within a sidebar. Uh-huh. Switch was meant to be a, a, a trans allegory character. Okay. Um, she was meant to be someone who, I can't remember which way, but was going to be the opposite <laughs> biological gender when she was out of the Matrix than when she was in the Matrix. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah, it didn't end up happening. Um, but... I was always very attracted to that character because it was, that was quite an androgynous character. Uh-huh. So to see Belinda McClory on stage, I just found it very exciting. Did you recognise them like on site? 
Not on site. Mm-hmm. No, but someone pointed it out to me later on. I was like, holy shit. Holy moly. Holy moly guacamole. So, <laughs> Belinda clocked you. Well, actually, no, didn't clock you at all. Got told later on. Anywho. So, Belinda McGlory, let's talk about her some more. She's playing Alex, who is like a like a, one of... So, the world that these two men live in... Mm. Uh, where am I? Hugh is like a costume designer to the stars. Yeah. So, like, for, like, people that work on Channel 7 and, like, like Australian broadcasting services... He's a costume designer and managed, and that's his gay life that he lives. Mm-hmm. Will is a struggling actor in his 30s that works at like a um, Dracula's equivalent. Fantastic. Terrific. Uh, and then, so within that world, Belinda McClory plays Alex, who is a reality TV show host, hosted a show called This Is Living. Mm-hmm. Where the name for the show comes from. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Staying with me. Yes. Um, and she is like this very fabulous. She comes on in like. I can't exactly remember the first outfit she's on. She's in so many fabulous outfits throughout the show. I need to call out Matilda Woodruff, who did the set and the costume. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, terrific job. Like, like Alex come, Belinda, as Alex comes out in this beautiful, at one point, is this, like, white, full pants suit with, like, a big hat. And then at another point, she comes out in this beautiful sundress. Like, she's just always looking fabulous. Mm. Uh, and she is this fragile, fraught TV personality that just happens to be in these two gay men's lives. And I think that's a fabulous connection to make. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the other group, in the group of women, Michelle Pereira is playing Charlene, mm-hmm. who is a, who the other two women refer to as always starting sentences with, as a mother. So that's Charlene's character. Okay. She's this sort of recently divorced mother um, who is uh, having issues with her daughter of like trying to get her daughter to connect with her. And she's now like struggling to sort of get on her feet in terms of dating and getting back into the world. And she's a very good um, uh, manipulator. Okay. And then we have Maria Theodorakis as Jo, Mm -hmm. who is a university teacher. Mm -hmm. And she is like this calming boss bitch teacher who I am just obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Um, And the three of them know each other from like childhood and are friends with these two gay men just in general. And it immediately sort of prompted the thing that I recognised that I also saw when I saw Maureen and the Har- Maureen Harbinger of Death, yeah. also at the Malthouse. Mm. Gay men having this, as I just said, I love women, having this connection to older women and sort of bring them into their circles and sort of respecting their life in just this way that idolises them to glam icons. And this show carries that tradition on with like these two gay men being friends with just like a bunch of middle-aged women Mm. um and it's called up at certain points throughout the show why are you friends with us why is this what's going on and the answer is always you're you're living the you're the life like you have the life that i want and Mm. i want to be around you yeah um i just thought that was quite nice because it's so true like even just me at work working with middle-aged women Mm. i fucking love it Mm. because they're they're they just they get it Mm. and i'm just i'm into it i'm obsessed with them so those are the players Cool. The, 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 the scene is set. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so the show goes on to be this weekend that the two boys have planned away. Um, to, the, the sort of vibe is that, you know, Hugh is sort of at a point now with his treatment that they're not sure which way it's going to go. Mm. So they're planning this beautiful getaway with their friends. Uh, it later turns out that it's Hugh pitching it to be like, we could live like this forever. Like all of us, the five of us could live here in this commune. Your dream, Jake. Mm. Um, and it, it sort of becomes a play of manners about like these sort of five people navigating. How do you 
banter and work around this horrible reality like a black hole in the middle of the room. Um, Ash Flanders does dialogue really well in this way that overlaps in this very natural feeling way where, you know, people aren't doing a rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb off to the side. They're having conversations and you can hear snatches of what they're saying and snatches of what the other people are saying. But when he writes those scenes, the words that they're, the, the actual things they're saying aren't really that important enough that you need to know exactly what they're saying. Okay. It's more this effect where you can glean enough from the conversation's tone to sort of figure out what's happening. Okay. Like, just they're having like a casual nice conversation in the kitchen while two other friends catch up in the living room and you hear snatches of like, oh, he's well or I'm not well or this little bit and bob and it just feels natural. Sure. So that was one thing that I, I really enjoyed about the show. Mm. Um... And and with those conversations then spreading out into the three different zones that they sort of were. There was the outside zone behind the glass door, the bedroom behind the other side of the stage, and then the living room in the middle. And so conversations would sort of flow as people would go outside into the back area, and then that would allow the people on the inside to have a more private conversation, which was often about like the stresses of the caregiving that Will's going through, or how he really feels, and... Um, the bedroom itself, I feel, was a little underused. Okay. It was it was never used for dialogue. It was only ever used for Will, really, to go to when Hugh would say something horrible to him or Hugh would be mean to him in a way that he just had to go into that room and silently scream. So it worked for that point of view. It was sort of like this framed little box where Will would just go to be sad and let his feelings out because he can't get them out in front of Hugh. Yeah. Which was, again, horrible to watch. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I found hard to believe, unfortunately, in this show was I wish there had been some more sort of Hugh and Will tender moments. Mm. Some nice moments. Because from the get-go, it's quite aggressive. From the get-go, it's quite fraught. And I totally understand why. But I wish there had been maybe... I don't know, something as simple as them watching an old video or, like, them reading old text or something to sort of let me know that there was a loving relationship there once that has now been lost. Okay. Uh, because up until... Unfortunately, up until the very end of the show, it was I, I just kept thinking, why... He's, ju he's just an awful person, Hugh, to yeah. Will. Yeah. Um, I wish I could understand why Will was putting up with it. Like, I wish I could see what it was. Obviously... I can understand why. Sure. Um, it just, yeah, made it quite hard to sort of... But you would have liked that why to to greater understand the tragedy of what was happening? Exactly. To... Oh, yeah, exactly. To, to, it just... to know what had been lost. To, yeah, to know, what, to know what relationship we're meant to be grieving. Okay. Because um, it can't have been always like that because they would have broken up. Sure, but there's also a lot of people in really shitty relationships. Yeah, that's true. I guess I just don't believe that. You don't believe no, that? No, I do. I, do. I, do. <laughs> I guess that's true. I just don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. What? I don't know. I'm just trying to say words at this point. Um, that's all. I just, I, that's my only gripe, I think, is I wish there'd been like a moment of tenderness where we had seen like what the relationship had been before it sort of devolved into this. Because there are references they make to like them being lovely partners in the past and yeah. how the relationship has changed. We don't really see what it's changed from. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And what? And you wanted to what, beef out your understanding of their history with a bit more like yeah. solid facts. Yeah, literally. That's yeah. What okay, I like, want. Like, like physical onstage evidence of how things. Yeah, had some been. something. I don't know whether it needed to be like. I don't know what it would have been, but yeah, something sure. for me personally. Sure. Okay. Um, pardon me. Favorite moment of the entire show? They have CBD oil. Yeah. That is obviously for Hugh's pain. Um, and they take it at several points throughout the show. 
Michelle Pereira, acting stoned, will forever be one of the greatest theatrical moments I've ever seen. Good God. Okay. Watching this woman sort of reprimanding the others for the lives they're leading and then slowly strip off her clothes and then sort of hobble across the stage and have to contend with the voices she's hearing in her head was just so beautifully handled by Michelle. Mm. And I just needed to say that. Okay. So Michelle Pereira has my heart forever for that reason. Golly. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were obviously quite a few harrowing moments in this show. There was, throughout the show, there was this uh, thermometer they kept, Hugh kept using to sort of test um, his temperature. And if it got above a certain level, they would have to go to the hospital. Mm. Uh, and they kept testing. And then at some point, it happened that they needed to go to the hospital. And you just felt the way that that Hugh sort of had to get chauffeured out by Will and this silent defeat that everyone felt of what are we going to do with this weekend that we're all having away with these people. Um, you just felt it. It's like a little hand in your stomach just pulling down. I just felt so... I don't know what the word to even describe it. I've been really lucky in my life. I've never had to deal with anything like that. So for that to happen in front of me so abruptly really just shocked me to my core. Mm. Um... And that's one thing that I think this play does really well. It really does uh, communicate that sort of struggle of this illness destroys your life whether you survive it or not. Like, it, it takes things away from you that you have to struggle to then get back. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that I don't really know where I was going with that, but that's just, <laughs> something, that, that's just something that I felt during the show. I think yeah. Ash really wrote from the heart, and it's horrible that anyone goes through that, but... I, th I think this show really did it quite a lot of justice in how real it dealt with it and how awful it can be and how good friends can be can can be there to, re to, to rely on but even then don't really know what to do mm. and no one knows what to do in that scenario uh, Maria Theodorakis particularly for me I found one of those people that I just couldn't stop watching mm. like every part of her was engaged the whole time her, her, she had this energy and this might be a, a bias in my brain but she had the energy of my mum that is bias <laughs> yeah thank you so much uh, <laughs> no but in the way that like I don't know just a hard working woman trying to take some time off to have a good time with friends and be there for her friends and being quietly the the diplomat between these warring people. Like, these three friends, the three older women, um, Alex and Charlene, were at each other's throats the whole time because mm. they're old friends, you yeah. know? Um, and Joe was always the one between them. And that's very much the sort of role that my mother has played in her life. And a lot of women, I think, play in their lives. They naturally do become the negotiator on behalf of other people. Mm. And and seeing Joe constantly have to put that before her own joy really just struck a chord in me. Mm. And I think Maria just has this real gravitas on stage that and this beautiful voice that I could just listen to nonstop um, that I think really uh, helped that character a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, but I have, so I've got, I've, I've got to again re reiterate, my favourite part of the whole show was these three dames uh -huh. just being catty with each other, um, f constantly, like, Charlene constantly being the manipulative one that, again, is a woman we all know, um, the sort of woman who uses her life story to make people pity her and then get things out of it, even though she doesn't consciously know that she's doing that. Mm. Um, 
Alex as the fragile and brittle, gorgeous woman who is more friendly and able to get closer to Hugh than Will is at certain points, which really grinds Will's gear. I think all these dynamics, I have no doubt, come from real people in Ash's lives because they all felt like real people. Sure. Um... Yeah, I, I, this yeah. The, one of my favorite parts. I'm just going to leave you with a visual that I thought was quite sort of summarized a lot of the vibe of the show. Do it. It's in. It's the more. It's on the final day. Mm. Uh, it's the morning. Uh, Hugh is sitting in the outdoor area on a chair, completely still. Um, Will come. So I actually can't remember who comes out. Someone comes out and sees him out there. Goes out to check because they're not sure if he's alive. Yeah. And then one of the other women, Alex, comes in and says, Oh, don't worry, he's alive, I checked. And it's just this sort of frank, no, he's fine. He's, he's okay, but he could be dead, but he's not. Yeah. That these these friends all have with each other. I, I think that really just, the image of Hugh in that chair with the sun behind him and them all just sort of caring for him in a very casual way, yeah. I just thought was really gorgeous. That and really that one, sad. yeah. It was very sad, but it was also this, I think, really important message of you don't need to be, like, when, if if you have an illness like this, it's not up to you to be strong, or it's not up to you to, to find a way to survive it, or anything like that. It's just up to you to surround yourself with people that can make you feel good. Like, that's it. That's all you need to do, mm. like, really at the bottom line. Sure. The rest is up to you, but that's what you need to do to to get through and I think that's what Hugh did mm-hmm. um, and if I grew up and have three older women friends like those women I think I'll be a very happy man <laughs> great is what I had to take away from this whole show it's good that it gave you a game plan oh it absolutely did I'm going to get three older women to be my best friends and then I'm going to go to the country and live in Hepburn it was in Hepburn live in Hepburn Hepburn Springs Hepburn Springs oh. maybe uh, and live in an Airbnb for the rest of my life you're welcome to join me. <laughs> that sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. That's why we have three older women friends who are rich. Oh, so you're exploiting these women? Not exploiting, just living in the lap of luxury with them. <laughs> On their dime. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'd like to see your side of that transaction. Now this is living. <laughs> hey, James. Ugh. Yeah, it's me again. It's you. Okay, <laughs> what? What? So I went to Her Majesty's Theatre. Okay, what about it? They're not changing the name of it to His Majesty's because I guess she didn't leave it oh, to yeah. him. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's oh, it's actually I no, I think it's actually named after a specific queen. Oh, it wasn't. I think it's like not. I think it's like it wasn't Elizabeth. Victoria. I think it may have been Victoria. Oh, good on her. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up right now. Actually, I'm okay. curious. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do while James does this googling. I wonder if he's going to Google specifically enough to get the correct information, because there are many Her Majesty's Theatres around this fine nation of ours. First one, Her Majesty's Theatre Melbourne, Wikipedia, bitch. <laughs> yes, and we're about to find out which Majesty it belongs to. Officially. Okay, it was originally named the Prince of Wales. Uh, oh, it was, it was called the Alexandra Theatre, named after the then Prince of Wales. Princess of Wales. Yeah. <laughs> Prince Alexandra. Prince Alexandra. Uh... Yeah, in honour of Queen Victoria. 
It was named after go. Princess Alexandra after the... What? It was originally <laughs> named uh, after that one. Okay. Then it was revamped and rechristened Her Majesty's Theatre in honour of Queen Victoria. And it reopened with a production of HMS Pinafore. Why did they take it off Alexandra? What did she do? You know what she did. No, I don't. Well, then I'm not going to tell you. Okay, it's too horrific to talk about. It's too horrific. Now tell me about 222. Yeah, how did you know that's what I was seeing? That's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, so I went to see 222. Mm -hmm. It's like the sign of it, like the signage, like the poster, is like a digital clock, like 2 colon 2 2. Wait, digital, not analog? Did. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> That's the spookiest, spookiest type of time. <laughs> um, yeah, I went with tall Canadian man. Yes. And we went, and yeah, we went, and we... <laughs> Did you? We went, and uh, yeah, and we were sitting... Oh, we Shat were, myself, <laughs> I was so spooked. That's disgusting. Went through three pairs of pants. So gross. Um, no, we had a, like a, a beautiful Mexican dinner, and then we went... Why are you making that face? Just, you, you, the listeners can't see how you're reacting, so if, like, if I laugh... And something that they can't see. I sound like a weirdo. Oh, right. Yeah. So you're holding in the fact that you're mocking my... What, I'm not mocking. It's just the way that you're so energetically <laughs> describing what you're doing. I just wish there was a video of you doing the way... The, the, talking the way that you talk. We had an it's excellent Mexican dinner. <laughs> and then we went to Her Majesty's Theatre to see 222, the play. <laughs> Great. Love it. Um, yes. And the play itself is written by Danny Robbins, if that interests you. It doesn't. But <laughs> it does star a particular person who was in a favourite movie of Oh, it's got Ruby Rose in it from The Meg. I don't care about anything else she's done in terms of her artistic contributions to things. I never watched Orange is the New Black. Um, I know that she dated a Veronica and I hear it didn't go well. That's my extent of my understanding of like Ruby Rose's contribution. I think they split up because she was feeling too untouched. (sighs) Solid, solid Veronica's reference. Thanks, guys. (laughs) What's your favourite Veronica's song? Untouched. Okay. Absolutely untouched. It's always got to be untouched. I, I, I like, um, what's that one that's like, it's like a country one that came out recently. Uh, recently? Well, I say like within the last two years or so. Like, mm. uh, Sanctified? I'm happy to believe you, but I'm not sure. Was that her? Was that them? What about you? What about me? Uh, I don't know. I, I have a, like a close connection to Untouched just because mm. um, in my early days of working at this Mexican restaurant where I worked, this beautiful tradesman would come in sometimes with a bunch of his like tradie friends Hot. and he would request re- such a handsome man. Yeah. He would come in and he would like have a few beers and then insist that I play Untouched for him and he'd dance around. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> such a dreamboat. It was one of my favourite things about that era of my That's life. a little bit fruity. <laughs> a little fruity. But I think there's something about those strings that just awaken something inside of everyone the strings in untouched oh sure immediately like I want to rip that dance floor to shreds oh totally it's the sort of thing where it's like I don't know why this is coming to mind but like at the very beginning stages of an exorcism where it goes from like (laughs) the girl like lying down on the bed to the moment the priest is like and then she's like I didn't know what you were doing, but then I got it immediately. Yes. yes. Well done. Well done. Uh, yeah. So, me and Canadian Speaking man, of The Exorcist. Speaking of The Exorcist. So, we're at 2.22. And, like, this, not, like, the subtitle of it, but I think, like, it's always this, this like, a fixed thing of, like, 2.22, a ghost story. Which is not the same as a ghost story. Which no, I'm cool. not the same as a ghost story. <laughs> old school witch reference from Jake. <laughs> um, which is where we replace any time someone says the word witch with the character of a witch. Good. Yeah, that was too complicated. I'm glad you explained it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, 
Because Ghost Story was on at the Athenaeum, so I will be directly comparing this to Ghost Story. Oh, of course. That was Ghost Stories, right? Uh, I think it was called, just called Ghost Story. Oh, sure. Hmm, maybe that that was like that. a little trilogy, though, wasn't it? It was a trilogy of different ghost stories, and it scared the pants off of me. Stunning. Yes. And so, yes, we went, and then, <laughs> if that wasn't clear already... <laughs> yeah. But it, oh, my God. <laughs> As if the experience wasn't already shaping up to be remarkable in itself, who was sitting on the other side of the aisle from me? Ruby Rose's mum. Better. <laughs> oh, Ruby Rose's dad because Better. of the patriarchy. What? <laughs> Sebastiano Pitrozzello. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> Come on. Ah, that's what heaven is. And then, oh, and on top of that, so going in, I was excited for a number of reasons. First off, I had no idea what this show was. It's crazy that Her Majesty is doing this play. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's such, like, a, 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 one of those places where it's like you're accustomed to there just being like big lavish musicals. It's got to be Les Mis or nothing. Of course. I mean, the, after they rechristened the theatre, they opened with HMS Pinafore. Yes. They only play the biggest, classicest, largest musical theatre lavish hits. Don't they? I mean, absolutely. Her Majesty's is notoriously where the biggest theatre shows go. They just had Hamilton. They did just have Hamilton. Yes. And what is it like? Isn't it like when a big musical comes to town, their first preference is the Princess Theatre. Then they want to do Her Majesty's and then Regent is their third choice. Why would Princess be the first one though? Is it bigger than... I think... Oh, with the Grand Circle it might be. I think Princess is first because the stage size is for some reason attractive. And I think all the seats are like pretty close to the stage in the way that like the way that the auditorium itself is built means that most people have a decent view of what's happening yeah. but you can still fit a lot of people inside I watched the Book of Mormon there from the back row of the Grand Circle and yeah. I couldn't see anything but that's because you had served me multiple double strength Kraken and uh, dries uh-huh. and I was blind drunk so my eyes were completely cross-eyed for the second act but you're pretty sure there were Mormons in it? I'm pretty sure there were uh, yes Mormons well you got the gist thank that's you <laughs> Um, yes, so I wasn't just excited for the reasons just listed, but also on top of that, Daniel McPherson is in it. Oh, you love Daniel McPherson. I love Daniel McPherson. He was one of those, like, when I think of, like, the men that I found handsome in my youth, it was like, he was, like, in the top three. It was like, I could not believe how handsome, like, this man was. What would I know Daniel McPherson from? He was in The Bill. I imagine as a child you watched a lot of (laughs) the British (laughs) police drama The Bill. No, I was busy getting laid. He's also Al McPherson, Australian supermodel's brother. No. You don't know who Al McPherson is? No. I think she was in Friends for a second. I feel like maybe she dated Matthew Perry's character. Sure. Anyway, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm a baby. That that so it's like a, a four person ensemble cast, um, and then there's also Gemma Ward, who has like, like got quite like a like like she's still very young, of course, but also has like quite a modelling career behind her. Sure. Um. Yeah. And now is yeah pursuing acting, and I think still modelling. I don't think she's retired. Like there's for some reason like surrounding her, I have such a fleeting understanding of her, but she has this like thing surrounding her where people people are always like, oh, she's retired. Oh, she's retired. It's oh, like, that's a weird a... energy to have for someone. Yeah. Like, I don't know. People are like people yeah, so just... devoutly think that you're a retired model. <laughs> yeah, I know. What if someone? What if you were a model and people just started saying that you were retired? I. Oh. I'd probably. What would you do? You'd go harder. I'd unalive myself. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> You can't say kill yourself on a podcast. Honk, honk. <laughs> honk, honk. That's the content warning goose, everybody. He, go- he always comes in a bit late. Is that... that The origin of that unalive thing is because the TikTok algorithm doesn't like people say, yes. like saying suicide? Yeah. It's the algorithm we're serving. It's, it's not people being triggered by the word suicide. Like, yeah. we're not looking out for each other. We're looking out for our own content being promoted. As far as I'm aware, it's 100% like... Yeah, no. If, if I think it... Twitter... Like, Social media apps will block certain things, like suicide, racial slurs, those no, sorts of stuff. No, Connor Morrell 
internet is God. We cannot be <laughs> censoring ourselves for the sake of an algorithm's appeasement. I mean, we're all just algorithms, aren't we? No! Yeah, we all are. <laughs> Our brains are just complicated computers running algorithms at all times. Uh-huh. And That's consciousness what is what element of this? Just... It's an ongoing algorithm. It's a combination of multiple algorithms. That's all we are. Um, and then, yeah, rounding out this ensemble of, yeah, the, these four key characters is Remy He. Oh. Um, yeah, who I'm not, like, super familiar with. But, yeah, based on, according to Wikipedia, he's in The Princess Witch 3. The Princess Switch 3. I wanted a better, I wanted it to be The Princess Witch. I'm The Princess Witch! That's a really fun idea. A Princess Witch. A witch who's a princess. I mean, that, is that not the same thing? Yes. What would the difference between a witch who's a princess and a princess witch be? I guess the question is like, what's a princess witch and what's a witch princess? I think a princess witch is a princess who is secretly a witch, is the narrative that immediately pushes me towards. Whereas the witch princess, in my mind, is, is the a, princess of the witches. Yes, it's like yeah. a kingdom built of witches and sure, she's the princess. Yeah, because yeah, then it's like, the princess witch. The princess, what? The princess witch. You're whispering witch. Yeah, because the secret. And then there's the witch princess! Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Completely. It makes sense the witches would be in charge. So Remy is neither a witch <laughs> nor a princess. <laughs> Correct! As far as I'm aware, as it could be in this show. It, dude, that's tr- it's a spooky show! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm really glad that one take me. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> the show begins. Um, Great. We're all clearly like ready for this show. Like the audience, the vibe of the audience is very exciting and very much like the sort of thing where it's like we are ready to be spooked. Oh my god! This yes. How close were you to the stage? Uh, I want to say we were in row O. Okay. Shorten <laughs> that to just row. I could have. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So it felt close. We weren't missing out on anything. I'm so excited because this is the exact energy that I described going into Ghost Story. Like the the timmering audience being like, "We're about to get spooked." Yes. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Super duper that. Great. Um, yeah. So went in there and we sat and then yeah. So it begins and the the, the, the so we look at this house. So it's in in like this like naturalistic house. The show begins and it's like Jim Award is on this, um, like one of those, like sort of like this big ladder and she's painting a wall because it's clearly like this dilapidated, stunning mansion, like a house that I would very much like to live in. In I'm terms of like. There's no ghosts there. No, no. <laughs> there's, um, I, yeah. So, oh, before that even begins. I first off want to get ahead of this again, as if the media is trailing me, <laughs> trying, to, trying to scoot me on this one. Literally, at the start of the show, throughout the show, during, for every scene transition, and I promise you I'm not exaggerating, for every scene transition, there's a sudden blackout and this sound effect that sounds like... That feels like the Sweeney Todd <laughs> organ. You know, like the... that happens in the Sweeney Todd scene transitions. Okay, sure. Um, why... How often was this happening? It probably throughout the show, I'd say it happened seven or eight times. That's too many times! <laughs> Were they just like, I guess we can't scare them any other way. We'll just fucking do a big old scream. I think that's part of the... Oh, fuck off. So, so that's how the show starts. That's how it starts? <laughs> So it starts, like, it screams at us. <laughs> Terrific. And then there's this, there's this hideous clock on the wall. <laughs> like, it's like, 
Oh, you've never seen a clock this gross. Oh my god, it's the least fabulous clock I've ever seen. Ah, it wasn't good. No, <laughs> throw it into a gorgeous gorge. <laughs> I, yeah, because it's like, it's like a, this big, ugly, rectangular digital clock that like matches the font they oh. use on the poster. And it's like overhanging everything. It's not even, yeah, and it's like in the wall above like the door on the left hand side of the stage, like the door that leads to like the stairwell and the front door. So everything's naturalistic, so we're, we're to understand that this is the clock they've installed in the <laughs> That's house. what's enraging about it. Enraging. <laughs> but that's the thing where it's like Gemma Ward decided, like, while she, based on like what we can see on the walls, like they're testing out paint samples. So they've got all these random colours on the wall to, to like, be like, what colours should we paint our funky dining room and our open plan kitchen? But they've already locked in this idea of, like, we need a huge hideous digital clock. <laughs> How else will we know when it's 2.22? Don't I say it's spooky! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she's painting the wall, drinking wine, and she's just like, I get it, girl. <laughs> Sitting there under her hideous digital clock. I've been there. <laughs> and then it's just it's what we work out through, you know, context clues and talking. Right? <laughs> we work out that she is married to Remy. He who yep. comes in, it's their house. They've purchased this like like falling apart little mansion thing that they're living in and they're like midway through the renovation of it. Are they doing like one of those TikTok things where they're like, come with us in our journey to, to renovate the, the Salmon Hill Castle? <laughs> Have you seen those people? No. But there's a bunch of TikTokers who like, the thing they do is they buy like a dilapidated old rundown gorgeous house yeah. and then just spend an entire TikTok just like taking multiple TikToks of them like repairing it. I love them. Oh, that sounds nice. It's but really I, I nice. I think I spent the whole time being like, what are you doing? Just leave it falling apart. That sounds lovely. Yeah, but you're a caveman. Thank you. <laughs> so Remy, <laughs> he's the husband. They are, are like, husband and wife, they have a, like a child. They have a little baby. <laughs> and that's important to know. <laughs> and okay. they have a baby monitor, also important to remember. Okay. Okay. How much of this show can we talk about? Because I know the catchphrase is keep the secret. It is keep the secret. At the very one, end of it. No, it's one secret. That... <laughs> It says keep the secret. It does? It does. I th- but I think it's like the secret of the play. Yeah. I think the play I just is like its that Harry secret. Potter had enough secrets that you could keep multiple. This one, just one. But also Harry Potter handed out badges that said keep the secrets and stuff. I don't... Yeah, yeah. I know. Little little badges that went... Keep the secrets. The badges? Badges the, the animal. animal. Yes. 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 I'm a badger. Keep the secrets. Very good. Thank yes. You. Yes. At the end, yes, they did project messages on the wall of the set being like, don't tell anyone about, yes. you know, the twists and turns. Good for them. Good for them. And yeah, so of course I won't be spoiling anything just in case you want to enjoy 222. <laughs> the Gem Award vehicle, that I is. I always want to see Gem Award when what she's been doing since she retired from modelling, I believe. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, they have a baby, they have a baby monitor, and that's just something that, it's a device used throughout the piece. Great. Um, and then they have a dinner party, so they invite Ruby Rose and Daniel McPherson over to, like, have, like, dinner and wine and be in their falling apart mansion. What? Is that not too early to have a dinner party? Like, in the, in, the, in the journey of the house? Like, would you not wait until the house is a bit more done before you have a dinner party? Because you'd be embarrassed. Kinda. You would. What? Come, welcome to my... You're a homeowner. I'm not you, Jake, but, like, come, <laughs> welcome to my falling apart, dilapidated home. It's still beautiful, though. It's just that there's, like, exposed brick. They haven't painted it yet. Like, it's just... It's oh. very much in the midway point. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So they come over. It's slowly revealed that, like, Remy and Ruby Rose's characters have, like, a past between them where there was, oh. like... Sexcapades or something. They have some sort of romantic entanglement in the history of their connection with each other. But Ruby Rose is married to Daniel McPherson, and how could she not be married to him very happily? But their 
there seems to be some tension there. <laughs> You're a fool. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Ruby Rose is drinking a lot of wine and then also like gobbles up some pills that are not hers from a cupboard. <laughs> Is it like a scene where she like opens the cupboard and goes fuck it and just has some pills? Or like, is <laughs> I'd say it's more that tone and not the tone that I always prefer of someone with like jittery hands looking frantically through a bathroom The nurse cabinet. Jackie of it all. Uh, oh, nurse Jackie. Mm. Oh my god, nurse Jackie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't very nurse Jackie of her. <laughs> no, it was much more like chic, thin woman who could put any pill in her mouth that she wants. I mean, she bought the Meg. She did fight the Meg. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait to see the sequel. And, uh, yes, and so, and she's also a psychiatrist? Oh, that's concerning. Why is that concerning? You shouldn't be just chugging random pills if you're doing psychiatry. Shouldn't you absolutely be the sort of person, yeah, that, that they know what pills do. Surely yeah, but she's like, the one to do it. It sounds like, by the way you described it, it's like an addiction problem. It's probably a pretty like, yeah, so problem. That's not healthy. <laughs> no, but she's coping with it, and she has the know-how to do it. Maybe she needed the pills. <laughs> I guess we're promoting, if you know about the pills, have them. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, no. <laughs> Further down that line of thought. Good. Where she was correctly medicating herself. <laughs> oh, this is good because I have that condition. and I, That's what I thyroid. Here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> what can I say? Oh, it's also important to know. So this is something. And so, of course, I went in knowing it was spooky. Who knows how spooky? Who knows how dark it's going to get? Quack, quack. 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 Um, you need to also know that, like, okay, so you've got that, like, hideous clock on the left. Underneath it is the door that leads to the stairway mm-hmm. and also to the front door. Do we see the stairway and front door? Is we can see the stairway through the door. Okay. Um, but yes, but the, the bulk of the middle of the set is taken up by this, like, beautiful high ceiling, two dangling pendant lights. Mm-hmm. And then we have a dining room table underneath, surrounded by chairs. And then we, we've got a couch on the left as well, and there's a bathroom behind that couch. Okay. On the right, we have the kitchen. There is an Alexa in the kitchen. There is also a refrigerator. At the back, upstage, there's this big, a thing they've installed that they remark upon, this big glass doorway that leads out to an outdoor patio that we can see. Okay. And people go out there sometimes, like Daniel McPherson goes out there to handsomely smoke and then gruffly re-enter. That's what that is. There's also like a sensor light. So if you go outside to the patio, the light comes on. I'm going to make a bet right here. Go ahead, make a bet. I bet that that light comes on and there's no one else. James, don't say that! (laughs) Can I also make a bet right now? They're all dead. Can I make it? No, as in like you can make the bet. I'm not going to say yes. No, you're not going to spoil anything. But my prediction is that all of the characters are secretly dead. You think it's going to be like the others? That's thank you. That's the movie. That's Nicole Kidman. I am your daughter. I do know some stuff. Some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, will not confirm or deny. There's also this additional element, which may fall in the camp of that thing you were saying of like, did they just put that in for the sake of having something that will like scare people people. just because they happen to have functional sympathetic nervous systems? Yes. Yes. That's kind of scared. There's also this running thing of like, from outside sometimes we just hear, (laughs) and it's like, it's just the foxes. (laughs) What? Which does become plotly relevant sort of later. Is plotly a word? Yes. Is it? Only when discussing this play. Okay. Yes, it's That's interesting. Yes. Um, how about this? If every now and again to scare you, like they're just having a normal scene and then they like, they turn, like one of them just pulls from behind their back like a balloon and just pops it with a pin. <laughs> and just, that is how some of the choices felt. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's sounding like to me. Just, oh, I love this Chardonnay. Bang! <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. I didn't mean to do that. I don't know what came over me. And then another one turns and has a party popper boom into the audience. <laughs> um, I just want to bring that up because it's like, and maybe this is dark quack quack, quack to quack. include, but in terms of like, as I was doing a similar thing, as I imagine like a lot of the audience was doing as well, trying to preempt and guess what the scares were. Yep, absolutely. Um, I was just very, like very ready. There was this ongoing thing 
So we've got this <laughs> outdoor patio that we can see through these beautiful glass doors. Yep. And there's this running thing of like the baby's upstairs and the door, uh, the, the window of the bedroom keeps being open, but they keep insisting that they keep closing the window. Okay. But every time they go up, the window is still open. Ooh, and that's like, a bit creepy. It's creepy. Yes. Yeah. But on top of that, I kept being like, am I going to watch this baby fall out the window? <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Baby, baby death. death. Oh my God. I kept being so ready to watch this baby fall. For like, splat. Splat outside this patio window and then maybe have it get eaten by foxes. <laughs> I'm assuming that didn't happen. And I'm upset that it didn't happen. That would be the right choice for that show. Baby out the window, splat, these foxes you keep talking about. <laughs> My baby! <laughs> Sorry, this is so horrific. Trigger warning, baby death. Honk, honk! Again, it's the late content warning goose. Um, not the late content warning goose as in he's dead, just as in he's late. Or she. Or they. Ooh, the non-binary content warning goose. Um, so mm-hmm. you didn't see a baby splat to the floor. That is absolutely what my brain would also do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also this thing. So, so Remy's character is this very like no-nonsense, owns a telescope, reads books. Is one of those people that you always slot into like mid-tier horror things where he's like, a ghosts aren't real. You can uh, explain all phenomena. Got to be one. Science is science. Yeah. Don't think like that. You're mm-hmm. afraid of nothing because. <laughs> A major element of this thing that is almost the premise, I'd say, is Gemma Ward. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, it's just not great when someone says, "I guess this was maybe the premise." <laughs> Gemma Ward's character is like every night at two twenty-two. <laughs> I hear. Can like, I guess? Can I guess? Go ahead. <laughs> is it screaming? Is it the normal <laughs> screaming that happens throughout? No, the... she's like, what? She's <laughs> like every night at two twenty-two. I hear on the baby monitor footsteps around the baby's crib. And I hear voices, and I go up, and I open the door, and there's no one in there. But every night at two twenty-two, I hear it. Okay, Gemma. That was my incredible rendition. <laughs> could have been a bit scarier, Gemma. Could have, could have had that. Her job to be bit. scary. She's scared. Okay, playwright. Could have been a bit scarier. From me? No. The, the, who wrote this one? Oh, what's his face? Right. Danny Robbins. Good on you, uh, Danny. Could have been a bit scarier. What's the premise? That that's not scary enough for you? No, but so that's the thing. So it's like. Um, so obviously, like, Remy is like, shut up, wife. You, everything can be explained. And she's like, no, no one ever believes me. <laughs> and so they're like, let's all stay at this dinner party until, two, like, 2.22 so we can all experience it together. Oh, what a spooky oh, premise. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a spooky premise. So then the clock then becomes helpful in us being, like, knowing how much longer the play is going to go in terms of getting to 2.22. Like, it's unclear as to when that will happen. And I'm assuming the clock doesn't run, like, to, pardon me, to actual time in terms of, like, it takes... No, because the dinner party starts at like 6pm. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's not like an eight-hour masterpiece. No. <laughs> could have been. Could have been. If they stretched it out, it could have been. But yes, no. But that's part of why the scream transitions were helpful. Because <laughs> we skip through time like that. Uh, I get know? shocked by the scream and then remember, oh, it's been two hours. <laughs> so it'd be like the scene would go for a while. The blood-curdling scream means it's been so some time. Oh, we've established all these character developments. Oh, some things have been established. And then suddenly... <laughs> <laughs> the clock would tick forwards. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and and if you listen carefully, you can almost hear the time passing. <laughs> That's kind of the plot. It's all leading to... It's There is an interval. I, for some reason, was hoping that 2.22 would happen before the interval and then we'd have like an aftermath or something. But 2.22 is kind of like the, the, the end of the piece. Okay. So we find out, yeah, 
so a bunch of stuff. I'm that assuming some shocking revelations. You can assume whatever you want. Oh, no. he's good. He's good. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> I don't like it when you're confident. Yes, I'm never confident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what <laughs> running gag? There shouldn't be a running gag <laughs> in a scary place. Wasn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> debatably wasn't. This thing kept right. happening, and I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that it meant nothing. Terrific. <laughs> happening at least twice Gemma Ward <laughs> would bump her knee on something <laughs> and she'd go ah! <laughs> you're laughing at a woman in pain you're no, laughing at a woman in pain she was fine but I just <laughs> she was fine <laughs> ah! why is she so clumsy I just such a She's so tired thing. from like, listening. Why include it? I just, just, Do you reckon they wrote it in or it happened in rehearsal? They thought it was like, that's oh, so that's funny. So... Ow! It's like all the playwrights out there, please. Oh, Jemmy, you clumsy bitch. <laughs> just, just add that nonsense. It's just like adding extra sugar to a dessert. Could you think of it like, was there any purpose? You could absolutely connect it like flimsily maybe to some stuff. Right, okay, right. But not in a way that was distinct enough that it was like, oh, that had to be a planted seed because of that tree that later Whoa. grows. Yeah, no, it's like, funny. <laughs> it's just, just a woman. Gemma enters, <laughs> of course, bumps her knee on the sliding door. <laughs> Makes a comical noise. <laughs> We pause for laughter. Um, this play like premiered in the West End, and like Lily Allen was in it. Oh shit! Yeah, and so she she won an award, and the play itself won like they both won Olivier, like won Olivier's oh, wow. as best play and best actor. Best play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, yes, wow. and but so I need to get to like. <laughs> I don't want to sound cunty. I definitely had a really good time at the theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Go on. It just wasn't. Um, <laughs> Is the next words out of your mouth going to be, how did it win? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I, I don't know, when you're awarding something like Best Play, first off, that's so fucking stupid that we each yes. have awards called Best, best Play. Best Play. <laughs> they did it. That was the best one. <laughs> of okay. all the ones... Good. It's helpful to rank things like that. Yes. yes. Theatres like pick the Olympics. artists against each yeah. other. <laughs> It'd be one thing if you were all making the same play and they did it yes. the best. Yes. <laughs> that could be called the and best play. And even then, it's like, who are we appeasing? God. God. <laughs> the almighty lord. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so it won the best play of the lot. It did. <laughs> Which means it's perfect art. Uh-huh. And, yeah, no. So, I... <laughs> Sound is, cunty. Go on. There's something to be talked about in terms of the performances themselves of these actors. Magnificent. Um, because, because yeah, it's another one of those times where it's like, there has been like quite a, like an un- unfriendly review put out about that sort of like condemns a lot of the acting that happened in the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, but it's like, it was engagingly off in terms of what it is that they did, I'd say. I'd say one element of it, like, and I do, of course, as I did already, confess to my Daniel McPherson bias. Yes. But I think what he did, which I think was unique, was he playing this kind of like gruff, upper middle class blokey, you know, like like business blokey, yep. where it's like you can tell that he's, it feels like his dad has like a trade job and yep. he's in finance but was raised by a man that believed in working hard, that type of thing. Like, oh. doing a lot of this. Real boner you know? killer. Really what? Real boner killer. If you say so. I do say so. The sort of thing where it's like, he'll walk into a room and have a really big idea about a thing and he's trying to come across as friendly but he just seems a bit obnoxious. 
That? Yeah, I do know that. That. So it was like, he was doing that. And what he was bringing to all the scenes that he was in, it's like he was offering like a lot of like, come join me on this acting adventure we're going on. Let's like have fun and make some goofy choices. And then it seemed like he was oftentimes sort of like by everyone else. They were kind of just like not interested in going into that energetic game oh, with him. Oh, that's a shame. Or something because if everyone was like, like meeting Daniel McPherson in terms of those types of things and being kind of like surprising and energized and mm. really like truly engaging in that type of energetic exchange, it would have been a very different play. And for me, it would have been like a slightly more engaging one in terms of the character dynamics that were happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just <laughs> other stuff. Like the other three were like really watchable. And again, it was like I was never bored during this piece. Because you were always waiting for the next fuck scream. Of course. <laughs> but it was the type of thing where it's like, it felt like. They just weren't, like, very interested in bringing the characters to life in any type of way. It um. seemed like none of them had read the script and been like... Like, maybe they were really into the story or something, mm. but it certainly didn't <clears throat> seem like they'd read the script and they were like, I can't wait to bring this character to life. Oh, that's I'm so strange. intrigued by this dynamic of this character. It didn't seem like there was anything that they were doing that was, like, this exciting experiment they wanted to embark upon. It was more like, I'm excited to tell a scary story. Maybe, or excited to be on stage or something. I don't know. Mm. They, yeah, yeah. Like they, for the most part, knew all the words, and for they. The most but part. The, oh, there were a couple. <laughs> Whatever. No. <laughs> People can make mistakes. That's fine. Not on the but, stage of Her Majesty. So. <laughs> Named after Queen Victoria. It is. I will not have you <laughs> dishonoring the memory of our most beloved regent. Go on, send the queen. <laughs> yes. I don't know the tune to that song. No, you really don't. <laughs> God save our noble queen. I already know there was a noble in there. Gracious queen. <laughs> but it, even like, and this is the thing that got brought up when like a bunch of like pals that I ran into at the theatre as well talked about where it's like, it seems sometimes as if like, some people felt like it was as if they were trying to like not outact each other so they wouldn't try very hard. That is a bad thing to do. Uh, and so, and uh, I certainly, what resonated with me was like this idea that a few of us were sort of like tinkering with this thought that maybe like, it honestly felt sometimes towards the start that it was like, it was, it was so sort of like wooden and badly mm. acted mm. that it felt like it almost needed a moment where it would rupture and they would be like, imagine if this had been the play. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted a fourth wall break. It was. Well, because it was almost Brechtian in the way of like just, and it's maybe, I don't know, maybe quite too rudimentary to compare it to Brecht in any way, but it was, the style of performance was so flat that it felt almost like they wanted you to be constantly aware that you were watching a play. Like they didn't oh, want no. you getting lost in any of the emotion because there wasn't a lot of emotion on show. Oh God, that sounds strange. dull. That is a type of dullness, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? And also, I feel like you're allowed to be a little more picky with these sorts of shows on the big stages. They have so much money <laughs> in comparison yeah. to others. Like, they, like, it's not like they couldn't have hired a, a coach or, you know, like, mm -hmm. cast actors that can act. Like, you know, like, I say this without having seen the show, so I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not involved, but it's like, yeah, I think, I feel like with shows like this, you can get a little bit more, I was expecting more. Fair enough. I'd say also with like the ticket prices being what they exactly. are. Uh, and Yes. And two, it's like to come back to even like the thing we were just talking about, like the idea of like the shows that are sort of like meant to be like we're in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. It's an arts capital of sorts. It's the theatre district. And the, it's the theatre district. Um, people keep trying to make the East End happen in terms of a term. Thank you. I was about to say the West End, but that's far away away. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, no, but here in the East End, <laughs> where, you know, the best art is said to occur. 
there's something, and maybe this is a thing that, I don't know, only particularly, like, brain-melted people like me consider to be significant, mm-hmm. but, like, if people are going to go to Her Majesty's Theatre and mm-hmm. see a play, you... It, there's some sort of responsibility that I think people producing a play there have to make sure that the art itself is of a standard, yep. because th- th- for that standard to drop... I've got really no interest in talking about the the economics of the East End's survival. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> no, but the idea of people going to these plays and being like, oh, this is what theatre's capable of? And yeah. for that to be such a low standard in so many ways is like... And it also does feel like, especially like a show like 222, to me on the outside, it feels like a complete cash grab. Why? It feels like, here's a show that did well here because of some star casting. Let's get it over here. Let's cast some big names and just tell a spooky story and then tell them not to spoil it. <laughs> That's what that is to me. Right, and okay. Hearing this discussion about it, it's just so disappointing that they didn't go above and beyond because a spooky show is an exciting thing. Sure. But it can't rely on just, like, screams and jump scares because <laughs> that is just the cheapest And it has other things. Like, it's other I'm sure it does. And I'm sure right. you can't talk about it, but I'm sure it does have other things. But even still, like, there's <clears> character <throat> stuff that's at play. But some of it comes down to the writing as well. And again, I don't want to sound cunty, but it's like you have so much time with these people. You have yeah. two acts of these people, some of whom have backstories. All four of them are human people. Yep. It's like, it's wild that so little... Like, I came out of Act 1 going into Act 2 being like, we know so little about any of these people... Beyond, like, they're in a house and there might be a ghost there. Also, there's a baby. <laughs> and foxes. And some of you have jobs. Like, that's... Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I don't know. So... But, I, I, yeah, no, I think you can hold it up to a higher standard. Sure. Like, if it's on Her Majesty's. And, Her Majesty's! And again, and again, it won Olivier for best play. That's what I mean. Like, What does that say about plays? Maybe the cast in that show was really good. Sure. Sure. No yeah. offense to this cast. Sure. Yeah. No. And based on the like the little research I've done about the play, especially like like on the West End, especially like it had quite a long run. It was mm. like yeah. No. But it seemed like it was quite well loved. But um, yeah, this production, as engaging as it was, I think it failed in a number of ways. Um, but I wouldn't want to like unhave my experience there. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. I don't know. I think you could almost you could almost do exactly what they did if only it didn't feel like because even talking about it now, it's like these people on stage seem like really charming, really lovely people. Like it's so great like, and like excited. Even this combination of people, like again, I was excited for this combination of people to be mm. on stage together. Yeah. Like I never thought I'd get to see Daniel McPherson to, like talk to Gemma Ward. I didn't think I'd get to like I don't know see someone that's like truly interesting to watch as Remy he is. I don't yeah. know alongside yeah like Ruby Rose. Like it's a weird group. Oh, it's of a people. great group. And like I don't know you and again you could. <laughs> You could almost do exactly what they did, even in the ways that it failed, if it seemed like they were doing it on purpose. Yeah. That would be really exciting. Like, if it was, like, all the things that it was bad at, like, if they were to come out and be like, yeah, we're doing this, like, ghost story. We don't think it's necessarily very good, but I think if we we perform it in this specific way where none of us really nail any of, like, (laughs) the naturalistic (laughs) components of, like, being human people alongside each other, like, if we almost, like, strip it back, like, it's almost like a postmodern take of naturalistic ghost story or something. Like, that would be cool. That'd be cool. And then I wouldn't come out of it being, like, even seeing them, like, bowing at the end. It was like, I hate the idea that I guess now, (laughs) maybe, like, I don't know, hypocritically, I'm contributing to this discourse surrounding it like it's dramatic failures and and uh, I don't know maybe not enough talent being explicitly like obviously on show yeah I guess these people are all clearly talented but I, I I hate any as I've talked about at length so many times I hate the idea of like people offering something up on stage and then people talking shit about them and then, then like them having to hear that shit yeah that sucks but it's like there's something you can do in terms of like 
you do a show like this, you look at it for a second before an audience gets to it, and you're like, look, maybe as actors you can't nail this in a way that maybe we wanted to nail it. Yeah. But could they, like... Because everyone coming out of the show was, like, happy to talk. They were excited. They were, like, giddy with, like, that was strange. Some people were legitimately frightened. Some people sort of, like, laughing at some of the dramaturgical failings. But it's, like, if you, like, were to, like, on purpose, as, like, a director or whatever, just sit down one day and, like, have a conversation about, like, okay, the acting isn't working. Mm. But what we can do is take what you're doing and kind of just, like, either just make the decision that we're doing it on purpose together so that no one can be hurt by thinking they're failing. We can, like, we can hone in and refine what it is that you are doing, which is giving kind of like, kind of like quite simple, shallow performances of these characters, but lean into what about that component could make this story in like engaging and entertaining. Yeah. Because it does. Like the idea of watching these conversations come out very like coldly and uninterestingly, like there's something in there that wouldn't leave you feeling, I don't know, bad for the actors at the end. Totally. Where it's like, you're expecting them to like, yeah, get heaped upon with all this criticism. God, I don't know. I love listening to you talk about theatre. You've got such a big brain. I'm glad you think so. Oh. But yeah, but it's like that. I just like I want to. Yeah, I don't know. At some point, there has to be some. I mean, I get this. Like a big production. There's so many producers that have to make decisions, and like I don't know everyone that has a vested interest in this thing. But I think if you want to make the choices that make it a piece of theatre where like fewer people involved creatively with it come out looking a bit buffoonish, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think if I were Gemma Ward and I was in this piece and I was hearing throughout the rehearsal process that maybe I wasn't being incredible in terms of what I was offering the show, mm-hmm. someone around me would have the like I don't know the good sense and compassion to be like, okay, we aren't going to win any Tonys for how yeah. good we all are, yeah. here's, but we could make something funny and weird. Yeah, it's shocking when such large projects make it to stage and there's such glaring issues that it's like, how many people had to sign off on this Yes, being the final product? And whose whose concerns were they honouring? I think we know. You know? because the stakeholders. Because these are, again, these are very talented people on stage. I mean, she and for them to come out way. looking drastically less talented than I'm sure that they are based mm. on things that they've done means that a bunch of people around them let it happen too. Yes. You know, and I think, I don't know, best case scenario, that's laziness. And worst case scenario, it's just like financial selfishness and disinterest in their well-being. I have a cheeky feeling it's that. Mm. I have a cheeky feeling it's that. (laughs) Yeah. I I hate big theatre. You hate big theatre? Yeah, like not big theatre, it's just like company, like big, you know, like big pharma, but big theatre. Oh, sure. It's like the corporate conglomerate mass behind big theatre. Capital B, capital T. Yeah, big theatre. Yeah. I don't know. But it was something I just, yeah. Can you give us a no spoilers Mm. uh, reference to something that happens in the show? Like, can Mm. you give us like... Like a a spooky element. What do you mean? Yes, I do want to hear another spooky element about the show, but I also want you to like say something that is out of context, can't be read into. Okay. Okay. But if you know the show, Mm -hmm. it's sort of a spoiler. You know what I mean? Oh God. Okay. This is hard to construct. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the characters has a mother who was a psychic and they may have inherited some of their abilities. (laughs) Also, Turpentine is surprisingly, for quite a time period in it, a relevant thing to know what it is. Turpentine is like like rubbing alcohol, isn't it? It's it's like like you use it to clean paint off stuff. Oh, because she's painting the house. Yes, that's why there's turpentine. There you go. But you know, it gets a, a moment in the in the spotlight. Ooh, does turps. Does someone drink it? I'm not saying. Does but, someone set But someone if you're a fan of turps, I think you should go and see this show. I hate saying it too. Turps. Turps. <laughs> if you're a fan of turps, you should see the show. 
I am not speaking to the turf community. I. <laughs> but yeah, if you're into turfs, <laughs> C222. If you're into Daniel McPherson, C222. If you want to see something spooky <laughs> to varying degrees of effectiveness, C222. There, you got it. See, we're learning together. I'm learning. I like to learn. I like to learn. <laughs> Any other questions about. <laughs> When's the sequel coming out and what's it called? What do you think it's called? 333. Oh, you don't think 2222? Mm. Oh, that is good, actually. Thank you. But no, I think it'll get too confusing. So uh, three. Get what confusing? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. Um, uh, great, Jake. It sounds like an underwhelming night at the theatre. <laughs> but it wasn't. I came out just like a buzz. I was like so excited to talk. I was like, I was standing with like Miranda and Lucy and the Canadian man. And we were all talking outside the theatre. And I wanted to run into Daniel McPherson. Of course you did. Of course I did. But, but after my Rob Mills experience, I'm not built for those types of altercations. No, that was embarrassing for you. It was. But yeah, but I was so, like, ugh, I had this fantasy of, like, bumping into him accidentally and being like, oh, you're Daniel McPherson. I have so many questions about this production. And he would say, please get away from me. Yes. Please leave. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get out. And then I'd grab him by the lapels and be like, no, Daniel, listen to me. Listen. <laughs> I'm going to, going to, Dan, going to Daniel your McPhersons. Yo. Yeah, that seems like a thing that I would say. Yeah, it does sound like something you'd say. Um, any final comments on two twenty two, Jeff? no, no. If you, if any of you out there saw it, please let me know what you you like think about it. At this point, everyone that I've spoken to that has seen it, it's been a really fun conversation. Totally. So any anyway that you want to chime in with this, I'd love to hear your take on things. Great. I mean, I, I ghost story spooked me like no nothing else. And there's something weird about like on stage horror. It's mm. just such a unique thing mm. and it activates primal fear in me. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't handle it in a way that's quite fun. Specifically on stage. On stage, because it's real. It's in front of you. It's there. And if it's done well, right. like that's scary, mama. If it's on a screen, you can pause it. Mm -hmm. But if it's theatre, that's real. Okay. Ooh. That's really interesting. Okay. I think something. Sure. <laughs> it's definitely something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, yeah, I just, yeah, I find it hard to find things on stage that are really unnerve me like that. That's why what stuck out to, like one of the themes in Untitled Freehander really rattled oh, me. Yeah. That moment of horror that happened in Oh yes, Untitled the, the real description that like, sounds I feel like, like when stage scene. when stuff on stage scares me in a way that isn't just like a like a wailing woman with a scene transition. That's the thing. The things that scare me are those things that are like very like the, the fact of it being in front of me is like it, truly all it takes is this combination of people to do this one action or do this one gesture and mm. it's like this is horrific to me. Yeah. That's the type of horror that can get me on stage more totally. so than any other media. Um, because it feels like the sort of horror that could easily happen in front of you any day of your life. Right. I'd say. That's very sad. What? How is that No, sad? just like, well, this is living, James. <laughs> this is living in the cave of spleen. Shut <laughs> That's up. too 20, too hard for you to handle. Oh my God. <laughs> we need to go back. Go back and do the other shows as well. <laughs> All of them. How many episodes are we on now? Like 78? 80 something. Yeah, great. Yeah. Go back and we'll, we'll, we'll do a rap. We'll do a Hamilton style rap with all of the shows. Yeah, we'll make all of the titles into smoothies. Yeah. Ooh. What? what would, out of all the shows we've done, what do you think would be the best smoothie? What does that mean? Oh, if you have to drink it. What did you just say? Is that, but it, you mean a physical smoothie? Like, it, like, because I was talking word smoothie, but you mean a smoothie smoothie? Yeah, yeah, like, if, the if most the delicious. smoothie's named after the shows we've done. Oh, God. It's just like one title you can choose yeah. and it becomes a smoothie? It becomes a smoothie. Oh, have you, have you got an answer immediately? I think so. Lemon Tree on Drake Street. Lemon Tree on Drake Street. Oh, okay. Good. I think that would be like lemon, a lemony tea time. I think that'll be yum. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, how about, oh, what's immediately coming to mind? I don't know. If you say Lenore. I'm not going to say Lenore. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> There's like the cheap option where you go with like the marvelous life of Carlo Gatti. It's literally about ice cream. 
That's a delicious smoothie. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's one. But I think what I came out with after a quick peruse was, um, I think, Telly. Telly. That yeah, James, no, I remember the show. Yeah, the James Colopy comedy show where he talked about his ADHD. Mm. I think, of course, on top of loving the show a lot and really wishing, like, I'd like to think that part of the smoothie would incorporate how unique I felt during watching that show and and how I felt afterwards. But I think, too, Telly, I feel like the whole, like, television static element could really add something to the, like, the mouthfeel of the smoothie. Where it's like, you know how some like, people talk about how sparkling water tastes like eating television static? Sure. I, I'd like to think that there's something, maybe there's like some sherbet infused in this smoothie. I don't okay. know. I just feel like there could be a lot going on. I kind of want to go again because I feel like Lemon Tree on Drake Street just because it has lemon in the title. Oh, do you want to have a second to scroll yeah, through? Yeah, I, I like yours. Tilly's, that's a really good idea. Thank you. Okay, it's another one that I've already mentioned this show. It is Trash Pop Butterflies Dance Dance Paradise. Because there'd be garbage floating in your smoothie? I think butterflies, the mm. feeling in your tum-tum. Okay. I think trash and pop, I just think it would be like a nice... Like, grungy little drink. And I think, like, Dance Dance Paradise, that feeling of just, like, freedom and joy that you can get into a smoothie. Yeah. I think that would be great. I think it would be pink. I think it would have, like, little flecks of, like, black through it. Mm -hmm. I think it would be, like, equal parts goth and hypopop and delicious. I think it would be... I think that would be delicious for me. Hi, Jay. Oh, hi. We've done it again. Yes. Here we are. They didn't uh, believe in us. <laughs> we proved them all wrong, didn't we? One of we? these days, they will learn, and they'll stop doubting us. They will, because we'll be dead. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Um, I'm going to go home and play a Star Wars video game, is what I'm going to do. Oh, great. That's, <laughs> just keep me updated. Cool, that's good. I'm going to book, <laughs> I don't know, tickets on a time machine and go to Nepal. So, right! Yeah. <laughs> My god, because Nepal is... In, in the future. It's <laughs> more of a concept. Um, we may have already changed our mind. Our opinions may differ from what we've expressed in this episode. They change because we're human beings and it's normal for that to happen. Yes, eloquently put. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, we may already disagree with everything we just said. And friends, don't let friends become theatre critics. No, they don't. No, no, they don't. And if they do, they feed them to a hungry ghost at 2.22. <laughs> yes, don't ruin the ending. Okay, so I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Eat the baby. If you eat the baby, will you let us finish our renovation? We just want to have a dinner party. And you're going to feed the ghost your baby. Yes. Great. Well, it sounds like we both got big nights planned. We do. Um, and to you, dear listener, let us know if you're doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah, for spending your time with us. That's very sweet and generous of you. And here we go. Whoa.